From the Dice Abide Live studios, it's Late Night War Games with your hosts, Adam and John. Thank you, Jane. Hello, everyone. I'm Adam, but you know me the Dice Abide. I'm John, also known as Wise Kensei. And tonight, it's us. That's all you have. No more. You have to deal with it. Sorry. I have no surprise. We have no surprise guests. Um... I mean, unless it would be a real surprise, I guess, if we had a guest. Yeah, it would be a real surprise. <laughs> as long as nobody, like, takes over the channel wearing a Max Edger mask, I think it'll be okay. There we go. Well, John, uh, what are you drinking tonight? I'm having some delicious water. Water? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, this past weekend, Lauren had the fundraiser, and there was some leftover cider. So we, I'm finishing the growler of cider that I'm working on, I guess, for nice. three days. What kind of cider is it? Don't know. It is um, apple. Oh, okay. Fair <laughs> enough. Cheers. That's about it. Cheers. Kanpai. It's delicious. I have no idea where it came from. Yep. Just appeared in my fridge one day. The <laughs> kids the kids just learn how to cheers. So they, yeah. naturally they want to do it every freaking second. <laughs> you're like, like you're eating and they're like, cheers. And you're like, okay. I mean, it just... Just just wait until you're sitting down, minding your own business, and one of them walks up and just, like, bats your cup off the table with their cup. Yeah, right. No, Everyone no. cheers it. It'll happen. Well, I, that already happened. They grabbed the cup and just spilled water everywhere. <laughs> Perfect. At least it wasn't milk. Yeah, exactly. Oh, man. All right, well, uh, it's just us. Let's start off with the news. Let's do it. All right, so it's a new month. Uh, sorry, a new month and also a new quarter which means you have new Brahmat Academy mission. And it's easy this time. Just play reinforcements. Um, oh. If you if you aren't into it, give it a shot. Right, Give it an honest try. Uh, I'll be honest, I'm not that into it, but uh, I have only one game. So I don't think I am really qualified to have a very strong opinion yet. Um, and I need to play a, a few more to really, um, you know, have something, have something uh, like nuanced to say about it. So far... You know, I'll be honest, it's not my favorite game mode. I'm very happy that there is a game mode that's different for people to play. I know there are some people who enjoy it. So, um, yeah, I, if you like it, as, pick it up. As someone with twice as much uh, experience yeah, there you go. with reinforcements, John, um, I like it quite a bit. Fair but enough. But it's not for every mission. It, yes. <laughs> and pure, like full stop, not for every mission. Yeah. But yeah, give it a shot. Let us know what you think. Win, develop win fabulous develop prizes. your opinion. Yeah, right? develop your opinion. That's that's the that's the way to do it. Um, yeah, I mean, I asked uh, some people on Facebook already about it. Oh, actually, they more, more accurately responded to my post about this. And, you know, it's kind of mixed. Some people are really enjoying it. Other people are like, haven't played it, don't want to play it. People are played it, don't like it. So all the opinions are out there, basically. Um, yeah, I don't know. Give it a shot. As far as painting is concerned, uh, paint up some S4 remotes this quarter. We're going to be talking about the uh, beautiful uh, peripherals that got painted up this last quarter in the moment. But uh, this this Q4, all the way up until the new year, paint up an S4 remote. doesn't have to be um, you know, an attack remote like the Vostok or anything. You can play, paint up the, the humble tractor mule or Evo bot that you have lying around. If you are a faction which does not have access to an S4 remote, there are some, um, paint up you know, an S3 remote or anything that's S4 in your faction, right? Um, that'll be totally fine. So Your audio sure. is uh, stuttering around, buddy. But My audio is stuttering out. There we that's, go. That's not great. 
Um, but yeah, so just to repeat in case that wasn't recorded properly and, uh, you know, probably a Skype thing, hopefully not, not on my local thing, but uh, yeah. yeah, just paint up S4 remotes. That's the painting contest for this quarter. All right. Um, yeah. And I'm excited to show off all the peripherals that we got. Yeah. They look so good. Yeah. Um, as far as infinity news is concerned, uh, yeah. we have the next month's releases, which are the Aleph and Hawk code one collections. Right Dude, there, I was I was looking over these, and if you want to start Steel Phalanx, I mean, this is a rad box set for it. I think the only models you can't use are the Asura and the Garuda. Sure. I think everyone. Oh no, Trish is in there. I just noticed her. Yeah, but she can be a, a HUT or something. Yeah, or a Dactyl or. Yeah, that's all you can you can do all sorts of stuff. Yeah, something easy like that. Yeah, great, great pack if you're looking to start anything Alef, particularly Steel. Uh, it's great, good addition for vanilla as well. I kind of want to pick it up. <laughs> don't do it to yourself, man. Just don't. It's got the, bu it's got the bundle pricing. I'm I know. Just... All right, yeah. and then you can get your hawk. And same story here. A lot of stuff in here can be used in um, assassins, with some exceptions. Yeah, I think for for this also, it's the 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 Hortlock Janissary. The um, oh geez, I wanted to call Azrael, and now I'm brain farting. The... Alpha Seed. Alpha Seed. Thank you. Alpha and I can't remember if Hunza cuts are in. Uh, I don't believe so because they're in. No, they're not in QK. No, no, they are. They are in that. They are yeah, in. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So just those two. Sell them on eBay. Give them to a friend. Aren't I think with a bunch of prices. I'm, I, I gotta check now because right, it's gonna drive you nuts. Yeah, let's find out. But no, they're not. They're I, not in there. Okay, so yeah, minus those three. But still, I think with the bundle pricing, it's well worth it, anyways. You can even use the HVT in there as Andromeda. Sure. Just fine. That's a rad HVT model. Are they in QK? Is that where they are? They're probably in Rama. They're not in Rama. What? Oh, actually, let me check again. Uh, they might be in Rama. Maybe I'm just crazy. You're already here. No, they're, they're not. I'm looking at it right now. It's only Tarig. <laughs> Oh, wow. All right, well, and then the uh, the next release is the manga, Aftermath, yep. right? Yep. Which I'm very much looking forward to. I'm looking forward to the set of characters they're going to come out with, and I'm looking forward to that badass model that comes in the set. So I guess she is like some Tunguska crime lord. I think. that's. I, I feel like I remember hearing that. But, you have a profile uh, for her yet? No, I haven't seen anyone for her. Maybe she won't get one. I don't know. Yeah, that'll be pretty fun. I'm excited to put her on my table with the Tunguska guys. It's such a rad model. It really is. Um, I think that covers the news. Not a lot. This not a lot for the beginning of the month. Usually, there's like well, I mean, there's some. We're talking about the new the new classified deck tonight. That's the topic for this evening. Oh, that's true. That's true. Oh. Oh, I'll be saying that she she might end up just being an HVT, which is sad, but that would be a great um, alt sculpt for uh, for the Agatha Wabara, right? Is that what her name is in Bikinen? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Rem Racers is up for pre-order. Thanks, Wes. Really, I didn't see that on the uh, on the website. I think it's a November release. I think a couple of websites have it up, but not much. Uh, not oh, many like distributors covers. and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. All right, yeah, well, let's and talk and of about... course, we have the Zellan Kriegers we talked about last time. Yep. Um, well, cool. Let's talk about our toys. 
It's hobby time! All right. You've been busy. I mean, a little bit. I just put together a few copperheads for my south. Um, my south, I've, I've been avoiding, like, the standard Jaeger. Jaeger spam? Yeah, for some reason. And, like, copperheads fill kind of the same niche. They're lower armor. But they're higher, they're higher piloting and get a point of brawl. So, like, piloting three up, I feel like kind of makes up with the armor. It makes them a little harder to hit. Yeah, I mean, it probably it probably works out to be pretty similar in terms of math. We'd have to run the calculation, but yeah, it's close. I think it's a little bit worse than the extra armor, but I think having yeah. the point brawl actually turns them into something threatening. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think I think that I, I mean, it doesn't really make it threatening because you need to really get to brawl too before I think that becomes an issue. But I it mean, does. It's 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 a deterrent. Yeah, I really think that's what it is. You know, even a brawl one model with a spike gun, if that gets close to you, you, that's like you've got to you've got to do something about it. You can't ignore it. Where like yeah. the Jaeger is kind of ignorable. Like there's just that one extra level of threat. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, I mean, I I think I'm a fan purely because it's it's more toolboxy, and I think you know we've long discussed yeah. that on the show. <laughs> you and I are toolboxy players. Yeah. So now I've got two of each, and then I built two. They have an arena upgrade, mm. which for one point gives them a shield, uh, yeah. and a medium fiber blade. So brawl one medium fiber blade shield of piloting three up. For like seven points, that starts to get a little. Again, it, it becomes like you 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 shouldn't ignore this, but it's not worth really investing in. Yeah, I think that's probably a good way of thinking about it too. Because if you if you can't ignore it, but you don't really want to go kill it, right? Yeah, because like because like everything in heavy gear is tanky, right? Yeah, it's like it's gonna take it's gonna take you two actions to kill it, probably. And Probably. even at one action, it's still rolling two dice in melee mm -hmm. uh, because of the point of brawl, right? So like even if you cripple it, it's still in like a medium fiber blade. That's what damage eight. So that can swing above its weight class pretty pretty uh, well. Yeah, yeah. If you roll potato, right? I mean, really, you're just sort of uh, heavy gear is a, is a, is a game where you're looking for your opponent to roll potato when they're out of orders to reroll. Yeah, exactly. So it just it just forces the uh, forces the issue. Yeah. And it was fun to make. I thought I think the one they was, are very yeah. cool looking. Yeah, we're really fun to do. Um, and then I've been making my own booze. Uh, so we had some extra grapes this year and decided to make uh, six gallons of wine. I don't know if it's good wine. Um, we actually had might be vinegar. <laughs> no, it's definitely not vinegar. Um, so. We uh, it might be better off as vinegar at the end, <laughs> mm. um, but so we just did the primary fermentation, which is where you use the yeast, right? And now we are doing the secondary fermentation. So yeast is a fungus. This fermentation is with malolactic something bacteria, okay. Uh, and so it is now, and it's going bonkers. But we're going to end up with six gallons, which is like thirty bottles worth of this stuff so hopefully it's good <laughs> we've we had uh we had probably a couple quarts of the um of uh there was more than we could fit in the carboy mm. and so i saved uh probably about a quarter of it to just drink in its semi-fermented state which i guess is a it is a thing is it, uh, is there, it what is that what is that called is that a 
It's um, it's a fermented wine. It is. Oh my gosh! I've been looking at it all day, and now of course I'm blanking on the name. As soon as I go to try to find it, here it is. Um, it is Sturm. S T U. Sturm. Okay. Yep. Like S T U R M. Okay. Um, and it is wine that's gone through its first fermentation, and I guess like in Europe they have whole like Sturm festivals. Um, where people will drink. Austria is big on it, apparently. Oh, okay. Um, what is it? What does it taste like? It tastes really sweet. It tastes really oh. good. Um, okay. I'm surprised. It is, basically it, just, is it bubbly because of the fermentation? It's bubbly and it tastes kind of like alcoholic grape juice. Oh, that sounds great. <laughs> yeah. Right. So, like, like. I let the kids both taste a little sip and they're just like, this is great. And it's like, okay, you can't have any more though. <laughs> <laughs> We're done. Yeah. yeah like I want grape juice. <laughs> like, Sorry, dude. You, you can have grape juice from this box. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, but it's just, yeah, it's a partially fermented wine, Sturm. Uh, I think there are some other names for it. I'm sure in other, in sure. other cultures, but I guess it's like a traditional harvest beverage yeah that makes sense sense. that makes sense you know it's october right it happens a couple weeks you know you only do the first ferment for a few weeks and then before you start bottling everything Mm -hmm. um so there we go i thought i'd give it a shot it's pretty delicious i thought about drinking it tonight but i don't know how strong it is so i don't (laughs) want to get too messed up (laughs) you've been fine yeah probably I've, i've definitely done the show drunker um all right, so John, how about you? What have you been working on? Not a whole lot. I've just been kind of uh, recuperating from from blasting through my battle report backlog, and um, yeah, just kind of just kind of chilling. Just just little battle reports. It definitely wasn't uh, any video games. That you might I have did been... I did play an unreasonable amount of Armor Core Six, <laughs> uh, but I was going to talk about it in the game section. Yeah, we'll cover that. Is, in, we'll cover that in media. Oh, we gotta talk about games played. All right, I played. Enough. I played one. You played this. This is amazing. Like, yeah, like the one, the one day where I was like too tired to go to the game store. <laughs> it was the day that yeah. you show up. I make it down there. I played um, Evacuation with reinforcements against Dordan. Mm-hmm. So, first off, I really like the Evacuation mission. Right. Um, I think that they have simplified the rules for Civivac and like made it work pretty tight. Um, so Civivac, now you just walk up, you do the whip plus three roll. If you pass, the HVT basically teleports to you at the end of every move. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to, to deal with the whole, like, well, can one model Civivac it off of the other model? No, you can't declare Civivac if the civilian is in the Civivac state, right? So you But you can cancel it during any activation. So you walk to a place... You cancel it, then the next model walks over and picks it up, mm. right? So they've made it they've made it really easy and clear, like the order of operations. Okay. Um, how it all works. So, so you have to let go before somebody else can pick it up, basically. Correct. Correct. But I assume if you uh, go null, you also drop it. Yeah. Um. So my whole game plan was around. So maybe uh, this, I don't. I don't think we've talked about these yet. So maybe we can quickly go over the the mission for our. Oh yeah. Our audience trying to find so, it. Okay. Yep. Yeah, so there's two consoles in the front center of the deployment zone. That is where you're trying to get HVTs to. You could you can bring it to the one on your opponent's side. 
Um, the consoles don't belong to either player. Um, each of the five HPTs is worth one point. Okay. And then each player deploys two regular HPTs. Oh, like your classified HPTs. Exactly. Okay. Uh, and then, so actually, I'll just refer to those HPTs, the other five as civilians. So okay. for every enemy HVT that you send it back off the table, you get two points. Okay. So you want to place, you want the HVTs that you place, you want to place very conservatively and defend them because those two alone are worth four points. Right. But you also want to keep them like kind of away from you because if they're close to you, then you can get to your console pretty easily. Exactly. Then they're too close to your own console. Right, right. Oh, right? that's kind of fun. Yeah, so um, I was able to act. So my my game plan was, because I knew that I was playing um, reinforcements with this, Yeah, was that I would ignore the two closest to my own console. The two civilians. The two civilians. Because you just get Close. those with reinforcements later. Because I would get those with the reinforcements. Okay. Uh, and then, so I spent my first turn, uh, first two turns, scoring both of uh, Jordan's HVTs. So mm -hmm. that was four points right off the bat. Sure. Um, Jordan's game plan for reinforcements was to lock me in my deployment zone, turn three. Um, oh, so he deployed his reinforcements to box you in. Yeah. He, so he, went, actually, he went first then, I guess? So he went first. Okay. Um, so I scored those two. I managed to defend all of my HVTs and the three civilians, the two on my side and the one in the middle. So he, on his first turn, scored the two civilians on his side of the table. Okay. Um, my turn, I smoked. I basically shot down his ARO pieces and smoked out everything else. Okay. And then ran up with a, um, uh, what's the tack biker? A dynamo. Yeah. Um, ran up with the dynamo, grabbed one of his civilians, ran it back to my side of the board, passed it off to a, a, uh, a patcher, um, and the patcher turned it in. Um, okay. And I was able to throw some mines out to slow his deployment, to slow his movement. Following turn, basically did the same thing. So killed the other HVT. Killed, yeah, killed what he had out for HVT, ran the bike over to grab that one, brought it back to mine. And then, so turn three, when his reinforcements came in, he absolutely successfully, like, forced my head down across the table. Okay. And then, where anywhere I would stand up, I'm dealing with, like, two to three AROs. Okay. Um, so then I dropped my HVT, or I dropped my reinforcements, and just could not get fight my way out of the box. Mm -hmm. But I still won four to three, because he secured he secured one of my HVTs. And scored the two on his side of the table, but I. I so there's still, scored. I think there's still one classified, right? Yeah, there's still one classified. Mm -hmm. So he got secure HVT because I couldn't get him away from eight inches from one of my, one of my HVTs. Um, Interesting. And it, and it worked out well. It was a really fun mission, and reinforcements actually like gave him a solid shot to try to come back mm -hmm. or to prevent me from steamrolling him. And Are I you just playing steel. Yeah, he was playing C steel. Um, and I could not get my way out of the box, <laughs> basically. Um, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. Awesome. Cool. Well, now we can move on to the media, John. You can tell us all about this video game that nobody's been playing. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Frank and I have been playing it along with Skull, and uh, not together, but as a 
sure. know, in in parallel, right? Uh, I think I think they're probably playing it on PC. I'm playing it on my very old PlayStation Four, which I'm thankful I still have and it still runs. Because right. um, I don't think my PC would be able to run. It's got a great processor, um, but uh, I have a, an old somebody else cast off uh, GTX 960, so it's mm. pretty 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 old. Um, but yeah, I'm enjoying. I enjoyed the hell out of Armored Core Six. I already went through all of New Game Plus Plus. That's three playthroughs to get all the endings. Um, now my current to do list there is uh, S rank all the missions, and you know sure. sort of. But like that's something that I'm slow rolling. Like if I if I kind of don't want to do anything else and I just want to like have a have a cup of tea maybe veg out for like 45 minutes or something. I'll S rank a few missions or something like that, or maybe try out a new, try out some of the weapons I didn't try out through my first three playthroughs. Um, yeah. Can't say enough good things about it. Uh, it's fantastic. It inspired me to go back and uh, I played the hell out of armor court five and verdict day. Um, never got into four and four answer, which are supposed to be, you know, the gold standard. And then of course there's uh one to three and then a bunch of other ones um, that are kind of outside the, the um, numerical ordered ones. There's a couple of like side branch ones. Um, yeah, I, I uh, great, fantastic game. I can't wait for the uh, the DLC if it comes out. Uh, I think one of the things it does incredibly well is kind of like Infinity. It actually gives you a reason to want to use all of the options for mech building, right? So. I mean, there there are certainly profiles within Infinity that you know I might not like or might not use all the time, but they have a place and a reason to use them. Sure. Um, and I think that's absolutely true for Armored Core parts and weapons and stuff too. Um, like there isn't like the one thing that people run. I mean, there there is right. Like it's the Zimmerman shotgun. Everybody fucking runs that thing in, in PvP. But uh, that's if you want to play a shotgun style, right? Mm. Um, and there are some builds that can't carry the Zimmerman because it's too heavy, right? So like you have to manage your weight um, and other other limitations on what you can what you can put on your mech. And so there's usually some trade off you have to make, just like you would in an in an infinity list. And there's actually um, a bunch of like optimization you can do, which is another reason why you like the game, right? It's it's very it, it tickles the same itch that like building a mech in BattleTech would, right? Or in Mech Warrior. You get to, to mess around and, and play around with all that stuff. And so it's it's a lot of fun. Uh, Frank is absolutely right when he says it's a very generous game. Um, gives you plenty of opportunity to try new things. One of the coolest things about it, and I won't spoil the story, don't worry. But um, <laughs> so there's the first playthrough, you can go one of two directions. There's two endings possible for the first playthrough. Then you pick up... Um, whatever ending you missed in the second playthrough. And there are some changes to the missions, right? So there's a little bit of freshness. And then in playthrough three, uh, completely different storyline, right? Huh. Um, so, I mean, it's not like a hundred, like you still play the same missions, but there's okay. like other characters that get introduced and then you, like it sort of opens up and stuff that you thought wasn't important. You're like, wait, that was in the first playthrough and I thought it was just like a, like a nothing thing, but this is actually really relevant to this playthrough. Um, and so it's kind of fun to see how they sort of, you know, wove it all together. Um, and one of the really wonderful things about FromSoft games is they really make you uh, care about the, 
the game mechanics and learn them and be very good at them. They have a lot of like gear check and skill check bosses and stuff like that. Um, and going through and in play in in New Game Plus, uh, just beating the crap out of Volteus, which is one of the harder bosses for, was was one of the harder bosses for me. Like going through my first playthrough and just like beating the snot out of him was very rewarding. <laughs> You're nice. just like, oh, I've improved at this. Um, and, and, you know, it, it's, it's, uh, very encouraging. It's just like really, you know, I, I think, I think it's something that all front shop from soft game share is like a sense of accomplishment at accomplishing, I think like doing something really difficult at, and, and surmounting the obstacle. So if you're into that sort of thing from soft games aren't for everybody, um, there's a whole, there's like the first tutorial mission boss is this helicopter, which like filters a ton of people. <laughs> <laughs> like demand refunds, break like, oh, break no. their controller, <laughs> right? There's a, there's a, like if you if you like dig into the memes uh, and you're part of the like the Reddit community or something, there's all these like helicopter like filter memes. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty great. But uh, yeah, if you're if you're willing to to suffer through that and um, you know take it as a challenge as opposed to a, a an insurmountable obstacle, then I think you'll enjoy it. <laughs> That's hilarious. I mean, it, it, it's always an interesting part of game design, right? Like you need to be able to set like a threshold for people not to progress because sure. they won't be, they won't be able to get progress after that point as well. Mm -hmm. And then the people that rage about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. I mean, like I, I mean, from FromSoft is absolutely un unapologetic about that shit, though. They're just like, game's hard, get good. <laughs> that's perfect. That's perfect. Yeah. But I mean, like that's not that's literally not for everybody, right? Yeah. So. Yeah. Uh, well, it's perfect for you. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> it's it's pretty great. It's like, oh, a game that makes me feel shame at failure? All right. Let's do this. <laughs> Excellent. We all know what John's kink is. Um There you go. So, uh I've been I've been reading something I didn't think I would do uh in, in a long time. I've been reading through all of the 5th edition uh Dungeons and Dragons rules. Oh my god. So, 11-year-old me is jealous. I know. Uh, so basically, uh, Lauren ran a fundraiser at Gene School. And part of that fundraiser, families tend to offer up um, like invitations to a party that they're hosting. Oh, like a silent auction kind of deal? It's a, yeah, it's a silent auction. Okay. Um, <clears throat> and people can either bid on like vacation homes um, or like, hey, we're having like a margarita, moms and margaritas. Mm. is like the most popular event and they'll get like 75 people to sign up for that. Um, and I thought it would be funny to do like, let's do like adults who don't know what we're doing playing Dungeons and Dragons. Um, and I thought that we would get three or four people interested um, based on last year, I signed Lauren up to learn how to be a DM um, and three people showed up for that. So I was like, okay, like it'll be a, a chill uh low-key thing so as i'm in the room where they're doing the silent auction and they're like everybody has to stand like three feet away from the wall where the signups are there's a line of people in front of my dungeons and dragons one. Oh no <laughs> <laughs> and, and so like and i didn't put my name on it so like i'm just eavesdropping like they don't know i'm running this so i mean you know what are you guys in line for and like it's it's all parents of kids and they're all like I have no idea what D&D &D is, but like it's all over the place. Yeah. And what is I, this I, about? 
yeah, I want to learn about it or, you know, I've heard about it and I want to try it. Um, you know, my kid has said that they want to play it, but, and so it's just gonna be a bunch of grown ass adults. And I own, oh, I pitched it as, um, Dungeons and Dragons and drinks. Mm. D- and I Photoshopped the logo. So it's the D and D and D and D and D. Yeah. 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 Um, nice. and so I'm going to host it have a bunch of, you know, wine and other booze, I'm sure That's available great. as I try to teach adults. So when I left, which was only like an hour into the, an hour into the event. Yeah, because so, you have to get to a wedding, right? Yeah, because we had to go to a wedding. <laughs> Crazy. Um, and so like the, the event still went for like another three hours. But there were 14 people signed up when I left. Oh, wow. How many people, how many people signed up now? I don't know. <laughs> oh, God. So you have no idea. There could be like no 40 idea. people. Yeah, there, well, I only put one addition. So I put like the original six. Yeah. And that filled up instantly. Okay. Uh, let you know less than one minute it's literally as quickly as six people could physically write their names on there wow. and then people just started writing their names on the paper below it wow. so i went and got like an additional sign up sheet and just like put that to the bottom <laughs> to okay. allow okay well good luck, good luck with that <laughs> so so i might be teaching a bunch of like nerdy parents how to play fifth edition dungeons and dragons that's which fun. means i should know how to play fifth editions yeah that's true Dragons. Well, if you need if you need the if you need to do a training session, let me know. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Lauren thought you might be willing to volunteer, you know. Yeah, just right. Yeah. For the cause. But so the cool thing is that's all gonna raise money for the school. So I, I kind of felt like as many people will go, I'll I'll do. Yeah, no. I mean that's that's wonderful. And you get to introduce <laughs> a bunch of people to a wonderful game. Yeah, it'll be fun. I'm thinking about like picking up like I'm after breaking it different nights. So yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, and and like just, Wes is saying, you're gonna have to get an asked on a dice. Well, so asked speaking of asked on a dice, I went on AliExpress and found I think where Chessex gets their dice. Mm. And like full sets of like all of the pearlescent colors with bag is like a dollar. So I ordered 20 sets of dice. But you don't want to spend a hundred dollars for critical roll dice? I know, right? Um, it comes in a beautiful case. Yeah, exactly. They've been breathed on by Laura Bailey. <sighs> yeah. I'll breathe on all these. Okay, good, uh, good, good. Otherwise, otherwise it won't work. You gotta. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so we'll we'll you know it'll it'll be fun. It'll be fun. But I'm debating either like do I just do? Because I'm gonna pre-make all the characters because I don't want to deal with yeah yeah yeah, yeah. makes people to make characters. Um, so I'll pre-build all the characters. I'll make sure to give them like just simple spells that are easy to understand what the what the goal of the spell is and what it does. Mm-hmm. Probably I'll just be level one also to make life easy, and then come sure. up with like come up with like a heist. Heists are good. Yeah, heist heists. Um, but I'm also debating. I'm like, do I want to go pick up like the Ravenloft book and do like one group through like a Ravenloft heist, and then like another group through a uh, like a Dragonlance heist. Um, I mean, one one thing that I found, uh, I'll see if I can find the episode. I forget. I've watched so much freaking D&D live play uh, that I don't remember where it's from now. Uh, but they did a, um, a heist where everybody had competing goals. Oh, OK. Right. So yeah. like it was a bunch of a bunch of the, like it was the, the big crime boss is like, OK, you need to bust into, you know, this like manor from this rich person and steal your shit. And like one of the people like had, uh, uh, had beef with this, had beef with this owner or whatever. And, yeah. um, 
and you know like wanted to steal a very particular thing from their vault uh, another person was like trying to remove evidence for something else another one was supposed to kill everybody and take the shit right sure so, but i mean like i think that that's how you set up a good heist uh, yeah. storyline anyways right is everybody has their different reasons for participating right but they there's like a secret objective be... for everybody so yeah. it kind of encourages like it, it I, in, in that respect it encourages a little bit of um interaction right because like yeah. if you if you do it such that the thing they're trying to do secretly sort of requires help they'll they'll interact you know what i mean yeah yeah so yeah, yeah i don't know but it, it, was... it is also their first time you know most of these people's first time ever so i might just make it really linear um and keep the just keep the dice rolling down i like yeah Obi's suggestion this is something i've been wanting to do forever where first you like run a, a group through a bunch of goblins and kobolds and whatever um and then you the next session is you're all role-playing kobolds defending their dragon from these horrible human you know horrible adventures that <laughs> right, are coming right. or your slaughter your village i mean are you gonna make it like a big combat thing or no i'm gonna keep it really light on combat i'm not gonna do i'm not gonna do the minis i'm certainly not gonna do you know dealing tracking it dealing with range and initiative that tightly um mm. I'm gonna to try to keep the keep the dice rolls to a minimum. I mean, kind of like like Dimension Twenty, right? Like he's not, uh, at least in the episodes that I've watched, he's not out there like really getting nitty gritty in the details of dealing with the combat. Uh, uh, he he does in the in the main seasons, I think. Okay, but in probably because you watched the Drag Queen episode where I, I mean that's they're watching another one. Uh, which one? I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've watched like all of them. I know, so. right? But anyway, yeah. Uh, but we we should talk more about this. Yeah, yeah. But I'm gonna I'm gonna keep it easy for them yeah, just for to sure. give them a light introduction to the concept of the game before uh, before we get to the level of them battling against me and demanding that you know something is 2.1 meters and the radius of the attack is. Oh only yeah, absolutely. Don't want to deal with that. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> Holy cow. Yeah. All right. So before we get on to our the, the, the Bromad Academy stuff, it's time for our Shiv game sponsorship. Um, so Jeff didn't give us any particularly detailed instructions of this, but uh, every episode, Jeff over at Shiv Games provides one of our lucky listeners with a sweet prize. Uh, this week, it is going to be an operations deck. Right? Super relevant. You can have one of these things that tells you how to play Infinity. Um, so all you do for your chance to win is in the chat, go ahead and say, uh, Shiv smells great. There we go. So Shiv Games, best smelling, best smelling game store in the greater Kaiser area, uh, which is the lesser Salem area. <laughs> the lesser Salem area. <laughs> um, yeah, I, so one of the things I noticed, uh, in the operations deck while I was sleeving them all is that uh, so I got the ITS pack, so I have the, the fancy sleeves. The operations deck box fits sleeved cards. Um, it obviously won't fit the whole deck sleeved, but it's enough to fit the uh, classified objectives or the um, battlefield and tactical objectives. Battlefield states, what was it? Battlefield conditions and, uh, and tactical objectives. So it's kind of it's actually kind of nice. I don't think the previous one fit sleeved cards at all. Yeah, it was pretty, pretty small. 
<laughs> he already ordered one. I mean, Wes, you could have two. Objectives for a friend. It's true. Or prize support. Right. Yeah, Lauren was a champ. I've been trying to get down there since Friday. Uh, and then she had a print job that got done today. Mm. And she was so like, she... I guess I'll swing by. Yeah. See yeah. If it still smells okay. <laughs> Fine. Fine. Thank you, Lauren. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah, not after I had Obi photograph all of the uh, cards for. Yes, yes. Well, we're the... still using those photos, so thank you, yeah, Obi, no. as well. Um, well, cool. So, yeah, let's go ahead and hit that button and announce our winner. Hey, congratulations to Jordan. Congratulations, Jordan. Thank you all for listening. Thank you, Shiv Games, of course, for your ongoing support. Uh, check out their website, shiv.games, which is really just a way to get you to their eBay page. All right. So we're on to Bromat Academy. Before we get to the classified deck, we had a painting contest. Indeed. Let me pull that up really quickly. Where did it go? Excellent. Oh, that would be why it didn't work. One moment. No worries. While I do this thing. Yeah, so effectively what we did was we asked folks to paint up a peripheral. The intent was for them to paint up specifically the um, the little buddy bots and so on. Um, that was the that was the goal. We had eight entries this time from a bunch of different places, and they're all fantastic. Um, yeah, a lot of people uh, painted up the the uh, the little friend bots uh, for the doctors and engineers, but some people had painted up all theirs already, and so we're you know kind of stuck painting either uh, Uberfall or the um, the Zonautica's uh, Zon, you know the uh, the the helper bot that's the motorcycle and so on. And then, of course, Batard, and then the um, 012 series bot. So lots of lots of really fun paint jobs to take a look at. Well, without further ado, let's just, let's just do the thing. I um, Yeah. So here's here's Pete's Yazao, right? Yeah. Um, in his, I mean, so if you've seen any of other Pete's stuff, uh, his his Yujang is this uh, this wonderful yellow. Um, so that's that's why it's this color scheme. I think um, he uses he might use a purple to. Um... Undercoat them, yeah. Make yellow pop. Yeah, you can you can sort of see that on the right back calf, I guess. Yeah, is probably the way to think about that. Sure. Um, but yeah, he's been he's been working on his uh, non non metallic metals. Um, yeah. And I'm not sure if those are transfers on the shoulder or hand painted, but they look great. They do look great. Yeah. And then of course he's got the obligatory with friend. Uh, shirt. Yeah. So actually, if you go back to that first photo, I'll tell you yeah. one of the things I really like that's happening here mm -hmm. is the OSL around the the eyes. Yeah. It's really subtle, but it's just enough. Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of funny when you think about something that is a, a blue light. Uh, and I think I've talked about this before when it comes to OSL, and you can see it actually right behind me with my blue light, is that the, the light is white, right? So he did the same thing here. The light itself is really white. Uh, on his paint job, and it's the blue around it that gives you the the clue that it is white. Or mm -hmm. the, um, so did a really good job nailing the colors of the the uh, of the lights, and then a little bit of OSL around them. Um, yeah, really well done. Yeah, yeah. So it sounds like they are probably hand painted. Yeah, and then of course you know you've got the the fun little water bottle on the base. Pete's got a bunch of right. like 
uh, sort of like detritus, urban detritus on his bases. So very, yeah. very, very well, well done there. Very smooth. We have Xavier or Gila 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 and his, uh, thanks to Wes um Zon mate, the, the motorcycle. Uh, it's a little, it's a little funny to see the uh, tactical gubbin because I cut mine off. And so I post mine oh. just sort of leaping uh, on, on the big, you know, pogo stick foot. Right. I love this model. First of all, the model is fantastic. What a great model. Um, great choice. You know, traditional nomad red, uh, breaking it up with the, the fun, uh, almost like, Reminds me of Neapolitan ice cream for some reason, like the little arm arm pad oh, things. I was thinking like the the blue and white, even yeah. though I, the pill and Akira is blue and red. Oh sure, mm-hmm. like that's immediately what I thought. Like against the against the red motorcycle. Yeah. Um, and I like the. I don't often like orange as a go to highlight for reds, mm-hmm. um, but it works really well here. It does really work really well. Yeah, I, that was going to be my comments as well. Um, and then of course the. Uh, yeah, the, the little free hand on the chain yeah. rifle there and the shoulder. And there's actually a lot of subtlety in the blacks, especially on the tires where you can really see it. Like everything mm-hmm. reads as black, but obviously the tire is a different material uh, right. that comes through. Yeah, I also appreciate the grounding and like the, the deep purples and maroons in the in the base work as well. Yeah, it lifts it off the base. Yeah, absolutely. And it's like it's it's pleasant to look at. It's not. Because I think I think it, you could you could argue that you know you should just paint it because that's like it looks like a piece of I beam almost mm-hmm. right and you could be like I'm gonna paint this gray and it'd be boring yeah and so I really appreciate the color choice there yeah definitely great choice to uh, bring it up with with orange I think it really and it's it's one of these these are one of the th- like the colors the 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 paint jobs that it looks almost like the whole thing is red until you look closely right mm-hmm. and then you can sort of see the the transitions there and just like the highlighting uh gives a, a little bit of um the definition that you would need yeah the gradient in the red feels really nat- really natural mm-hmm. yeah it's not like too much and then of course I, I i really i think the gradient on the um the purple on the base i beam thing is really really nice as well like here's a good shot of it i think yeah very cool yeah Okay, on to Jordan's Zob, sorry, serious bot. Uh, you know, if you've been paying attention over the last couple of uh, painting contests, he's just been throwing all his O12 at us in this wonderful emergency lighting scheme. Um, I I think this is his his best yet. I I absolutely agree, and I I love that um, he, he took the advice of having an extra light source. Mm-hmm. So you've got the glowing red cables. Yep. Um, lit up there and the the way that they just pop off the body is so good and the blending is a lot more smooth yeah uh, i think i think really the the difference between this and his earlier models is i mean there's there's almost more red on this than in most of his other submissions we've seen so far yeah right and i gotta say i really appreciate everybody who's been sending in stuff that's like over um like the same faction but like the same scheme that's been sort of developing, especially especially this, right? You get to sort of see like what a cool, what a cool thing we get to preserve for the internet, right? I mean, it's like a, it's his... been amazing. Yeah, it's been amazing watching yeah. the, the progress on this army. If you yeah. go back to the back shot of it, uh, the back this shot is this to me is it's it's the money shot. This is the shot where <laughs> you get to see everything happening. Um, and so the reason why you can really see the orange glow in the shadow side. Yep. 
right on the left side. Um, and I can't tell if this is an optical illusion, but it feels intentional. The so the 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 red side is kind of a pink, where the the red orange is a warm glow, and mm -hmm. it feels like on the shoulders near the glowing tentacle tubes, you can kind of see a little bit of more of a warm red orange glow instead of the uh, pinkish. This line kind of directly across its lower back between its legs, where it's a shadow being cast over two armor panels. Yeah. Of the of the torso casting a shadow over the back, and that's where things really start to look realistic. Like when you want this really strong directional light, yeah. Um, and yeah, that is that's huge to me. Um, that's really, like I said, that's just really where you start to see this all come together. This is absolutely something lit up from a light yeah. in that direction. Mm -hmm. And um, I think I think the other thing that uh, the the blends are just just better than the stuff you've done so far full stop right i mean yeah i think i think the execution is just just continuing to improve um especially on the shoulders like what a like what a what a place to showcase that too because it's a it's a big flat rounded surface right you you have mm -hmm. to get it right or it's going to look poop and you nailed it and jordan verified that that red the the, the red orange color i was talking about yeah is used so, so that becomes a third source of light on the miniature, and it really start it really starts to look spooky, man. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Down in the hallway is just terrifying, and then yeah, you know, and the it's gonna spit glue at you. No, thank you. Yeah, the shadows on the bases are looking hot. Mm -hmm. It's yeah, so yeah. so good. Your best work. Yeah, easily. Okay, now we're on to Brelsford and his uh, Batard, right? So again, uh, please, please do things like this. This helps us see the detail, right? Um, like the the uh, is, what's the what's the word for this? There's an official art word for this. I don't know what it the is. Fora? Yeah, the fora. Yeah, like the the zoom in picture and picture for yeah sure for up whatever, but uh, like sh uh, showing us higher like more zoomed in detail. I am I am tired. In case you can't tell. Um, but yeah, so Batard, uh, instead of going with a more, um, you know, like dog colored palette, I guess would be the best way to put it, <laughs> right? Uh, sure. He went with this like lovely otherworldly purple and blue, right? Which I really like. I, yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll wait until we get through the pictures before I just open up. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so this is a, yeah, just a quality, quality paint job here. And then of course the, uh, the non-metallic on the, on the actual metal butt gubbins and the trench hammer and the knee pads okay. and everything. Mm -hmm. So this is, <laughs> I, I feel like, uh, I feel like Christian is just like going for my jugular when it comes to like all of the things that I love in color theory and seeing them used simultaneously uh, on one thing. So here, like, especially if you look at the trench hammer, yeah, like it reads as a piece of gray metal, but yes. it is, it is absolutely brown and green. Um, right. The colors you, this is not using gray. This is using brown and this is using yeah it's using brown and green, um, and the use of those colors gives 
something that could just be such a flat material a lot of life right and it's the same thing with the uh, with the batard backplate yep uh, it's using the same technique it's using browns and greens to create um they the, so the brown and green are going to like neutralize visually which is kind of a weird thing like um what do you what do you mean by that? So if you think, think about the way like contrasting colors, yeah. Um, when you mix them together, they desaturate themselves. Uh-huh. Right? You can also create that as an optical illusion. Oh, if you put them by them, by each other? Yeah, putting them next to each other. Mm-hmm. Um and so the way that these browns and greens kind of read next to each other to become this neutral gray, <sighs> but it has a lot more life to it than a neutral gray. And it becomes one of those things where a lot of people you know, a lot of people describe what they'd say, like, I can't put my finger on it. And like, until you like, that's usually what th- those kinds of things are what's happening. Um, like, if you really zoom in and isolate, like, the the red that is between, like, the two bolts on the right hand side, it's a fairly, he- fairly saturated red, uh, red brown. It's yeah. like the same color uses the straps. Right. But you, you don't even you don't even register it. Um, so, like, the metallics on here and the color choice are fantastic. The, the color choice for the skin tones. Um, yeah, there you go. So you use red and green, right? Um, and then the uh, the color choice on the skin tones, where again, you're using these reds and blues um, to create the different values, to create the shadows and highlights, and then mixing in a lot of white. This is something that I feel like when you paint, when you paint paintings, mm-hmm. you use a ton of white paint. Right when you go when you buy paint, you buy little tubes of colors and you buy a giant fat tube of white. Um, it's just because like as light reflects off of surfaces, you end up using like most things read white. So um, I don't know if the dog necessarily reads as white, but there's a lot of white to it. But that white is used um, just as directional lighting. So you can really see in the lower right or lower left hand corner just how dark the shadows get from the bottom side. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, I absolutely love it. And then the use of the blues and the shadows on the bottom um, to get that contrast is just perfect. Yep. Yeah, so, nailed it, Christian. Um, yeah. I do have one, my, my one criticism, because um, I like giving people something constructive to build on, right, is the basing. It's mm-hmm. like you've, na- you've nailed painting the model. Um, let's uh, let's step up the, the, uh, the basing a little bit. I think that... Um, the the actually the the surface of the material is fine uh, and I think that like the red like, dirt you mean yeah the red dirt looks great I think that it's probably using um, weathering powders or some sort of other powder pigment mm-hmm. um, I would guess over some sort of either heavy body or fine pumice gel or some sort of texture uh, gel um, but the uh, the plants on top feel I mean they feel glued on I mean I'm sure right. they are <laughs> yeah <laughs> but like there's a little more work you can do to work them down onto the surface yeah so they feel a part of it instead of uh set on it but i mean that's such a minor because at this point i'm just talking about like use better tufts right and then you can actually you can actually like get into the tufts and i've done this with like the really fine narrow scissors to add more variety to the heights because they're pretty uniform in height um and you can also use that to get like longer and shorter towards the bottom to blend it into the bottom more um, like, but at that point, we're t- literally talking about using nose hair trimmers on 
on Tufts to improve your model. Right, right. <laughs> uh, I, one of our other judges uh, had something to say about this too uh, that they want me to mention. So very, very nice sense of both the flesh and the fur. You can feel the material of the creature just by looking at it, which is an impressive feat. Reflections and details are also dialed in and very crisp. Yeah. Okay, on to uh, Peter, uh, also known as Tishnal. And they did uh, the the Ram um, Pupnik from the old Uberfall, right? Just in, just in time for the new Uberfall to drop. The, the new Uberfall? The new Uberfall, exactly. I love this model. This is this is one of my favorite Pupnik models, for sure. Uh, is, the the, the other like two are kind of like... More. Yeah, I mean, the other two Pupniks are fine. This is the, this is the really yeah. cool one. Um, pain in the ass to assemble. But, oh, all of them were. Yeah. yeah. So such a pain. Uh, I'm glad you didn't lose any of the parts. I, I like definitely lost a bunch of the parts and stuff, and I had to figure out something for that. Um, yeah, this is this is awesome. Um, yeah, this is great work on the white. Yes. Uh, so this is a I would call this white a very painterly white. So it looks like they used some sort of. Um, either brown or green-brown wash on the recesses and then kind of went back over with the white. Mm -hmm. And that kind of gives it this um, this streaking effect mm -hmm. that you see. Uh, this is popular, I, I feel like, when people want to do, like, Lanchitsu style painting. Um, sure, yeah. Like that. But, yeah, I, th I think you really well done. If that if that's the effect you're going for, you nailed it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it gives it some nice texture, too. Yeah, and I would say if... if um, because like some people don't want the texture, they don't know how to avoid it. So I feel like that's something I could talk about quickly here. Sure. Um, white is is a paint that can really show texture, and the problem is that you want white to be both smooth and opaque. And so, but a lot of times opacity wins, so you either put it on thicker. Um, and this is where you can probably start using like an artist heavy body white, like a proper titanium white, um, and thin it down and do multiple coats. Uh, I see. So, what is the difference between that and, say, like a tube of Vallejo white that I, or up to a bottle of Vallejo white that I would just buy at the game store? Um, a lot of times it's going to come down to um, what is used for the white. Um, like the pigment? Yeah, what is used for the pigment itself and the, and like the grain size mm. of the, of the actual like white particles in suspension. Um, but like artist titanium white tends to be extremely, you know, really smooth. Um, yeah, and most there we go. Oh, we've called it out. Most uh, miniature paints are going to be zinc white. Okay. Um, and what's what's, just, what's what's the difference for us not in the know? Uh, so so it's it's um, ah zinc is a very transparent white, says Obi. Yeah, and I also feel like zinc tends to have, and also just most uh, miniature paints in general tend to have larger grains. Um, really, yeah, less toxic. Yeah, because um, I, I always thought that that was it was the opposite, right? So, well, it's it's going to depend on how much money you spend, right? Sure. So, sure. like, if you go buy like you Zimmer know or something. A, a cheap, uh, like a cheap um, craft paint, mm -hmm. right? Right, it's going to have a thicker particle size, um, and then miniature paints are probably going to be better than that. Mm -hmm. But like an artist paint, um, a, a more expensive artist paint. Um, you know, the kind that comes in like the uh, the tin tube that you're twisting out. Um, yep. Those will tend to be a little bit finer, especially if it's an actual titanium white. Um, and there's still, I mean, like titanium white's cheap enough just to buy. Just buy some, yeah. Yeah. 
it's gonna be like seven bucks for a small for a tube that'll last you years. And it's still and it's still like acrylic then. Yeah, yeah. So acrylic is just the binder. I mean, I don't know. I'm I'm yeah. I'm a I'm a Neanderthal when it comes to art right? things. So, so, so like like paint is gonna be like a here we go. Here's here's the quick. It's basically gonna be like a pigment, a binder, mm-hmm. right? So oil paints the binders and oil, right? Sure. Uh, acrylic paint, it's gonna be acrylic. It's plastic, right? And then your paint part, you know, your your pigment particles are floating in suspension in whatever medium you have it in. But a little bit of an aside, it looks great. No, it does look great. I also wanted to call attention to the fur. I think mm-hmm. uh, Peter did a great a great uh, job on the fur there as well. Uh, lots of texture, and the ram horns are really nice. Lots of um, sort of like is it patina? Is the right the right word? Right. So you, I think I think you get that effect there by like the pooling of the in the wash, research. right? Yeah. Which which actually you know is usually something I try to avoid, but in this particular case, I think it it really works. It gives the right amount of texture to the sort of organic thing that would be there, which I which I really like. All right, now we're on to Obi's. Uh, Trash next. <laughs> moving on. <laughs> 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 yeah, so this is the uh, the O twelve Yudbot in um, <laughs> halt citizen mode. Yeah, <laughs> with the with yeah. the flashing red, uh, red and blue eyes, which is what's what's a what was such a fun storytelling thing. Right. Sure. Sure. Um, so, uh, so one of the other judges said, "Great details and excellent storytelling. Love the red and blue siren eyes." You know, so that's that well, was uh, definitely something to, to talk the about. The amount of freehand that Obi put into this. I mean, Obi puts a lot of freehand. No, no, no. He puts a lot of freehand into things, but the amount that he put into this, yes, figure, is true. more than he does in most miniatures. And so and this like, is so fucking small too. I know, right? Like that base is one inch across. Yeah, right. Let's let's. <laughs> um, and so like the number thirty six on the chest. Mm-hmm. Little caution remember. stripes down the forehead. Yep. Um, Yudbot on the visor. Yeah, where it's like actually readable, legible. Yeah. Right? And then the checkers. The checkers, right? To give it a little bit of European. Yeah, the checkers feel. on that side of the visor. Yep. Yep. And then the other side of the visor, the were you know the O twelve. Oh, and then one thirty-six on the back of the head. Mm-hmm. I guess it's one. Yeah, it's one thirty-six on the chest. Yeah, so it's the same number on both. Yep. Um, you, you gotta you gotta number your equipment in case it gets. You know, like like at this point, like this, my, is, this is a capital purchase. So. Yeah, and yeah. The caution stripes on the on the head. You yeah. know, those caution stripes are less than a millimeter wide. Mm-hmm. Um. So at this point, like we start criticizing like his font choice. Yeah. Like, right. Yeah. Exactly. You know, like, Unicode is so boring sci-fi. Let's go with Papyrus, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. But, mean, meanwhile, I'm trying to like paint like big caution stripes on like my Taskmaster's base, and it's like all not the same width, not parallel. <laughs> right? Yeah. So one of the interesting, challenging things. Um, that Obi did here again, t- talking uh, more about color theory is having red OSL on a blue surface. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really hard to do. And there's a couple ways that I can it, that he it, the word like as an artist, he would say you cheated it, but like it's the way you get, the way you get the optical, the way you get the effect, right? Mm-hmm. So the eyes are less bright 
than say Pete Setchell's eyes earlier, right? So the eyes on Pete's miniature were white and had blue around them, which then gives you the effect that the eye is blue, right? Right. So with Obi's, um, if he went that route, it'd be really hard to see the red in the eye and the blue on the other eye because you've got blue shining on blue. So mm-hmm. instead doing a lower, like a lower intensity light. So it looks like it's lit from within having the light kind of dull towards the center. Yeah. It's not all the way up to white. Yep. It reduces how much you need to put on the outside. And then um, I don't know if it's intentionally or just by virtue of the way the colors were layering, but around the eye, it's actually pretty desaturated. It's fairly gray mm-hmm. um, around the red eye which is a little bit more accurate to how it's going to look on that surface. Right. Um, then still mix it in. So yeah, great job with the OSL and then the, the freehand. Um, yeah. Work, you pick a better font. <laughs> um, DQ, yeah. DQ, bad yeah, font. Yeah, yeah. All right. Now we've got Cameron, uh, the Moriarty from Carlotta. Um, oop, apparently I... One moment while I fix this. Yeah, if, if Obi's next one isn't in like Edwardian script or Comic Sans or something. <laughs> Comic Sans. <laughs> Goodness. Um, maybe some uh, Zapfino or, um, you know, Webdings. What'd you break? Oh, I don't know. It doesn't want to zoom in for some weird reason. Anyway, we'll just do it this way. Oh, there you go. So anyway. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Cameron went with Moriarty from from uh, I think this is the 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 old yeah. one maybe. That it looks like great. the old one. Yeah, it looks it looks fantastic. Very very green was my first thought. Um, obviously, I I I do want to call out the uh, the lovely smattering of leaves on the surface that wasn't part sure. of the model, just sort of like set the scene. I uh-huh, uh-huh. big thumbs up for that. Um, but yeah, no, Cameron's an excellent painter. He's been doing such a great job on all of his Battletech stuff. It's nice to see him do some Infinity stuff too. Um, great, uh, like lime green accents. Yeah, very fun. Yeah, yeah. No, the the lime green with the orange, it works really well. It's very like retro nineties, mm-hmm. I think, in the color scheme. Um, I like the uh, so specifically. I kind of like the the shade of green that he shades to it gets it gets more blue which is fun and then the blue then helps the orange stand out more um it's actually really really well executed little ass model yes definitely Uh, the eyes are actually like a very classic like gw gw gem style Mm -hmm. yeah Uh, fast but effective yep they look great yeah, and he did the same thing a little like comlog thing on the wrist. Yep, on the back. Yeah, on the back of the uh, the other hand as well. Mm-hmm. I was just looking at that. Really well done. Then a bit of um, a bit of uh, damage on the back, maybe from the exhaust or the wings getting. Yeah, the uh, this bit here, right? Yeah. Just the the uh, exhaust uh, carbonization and all that. Yep. Yeah, because this guy can eighty or or paratroop rather. Very cool. All right. It's like wrong, wrong tab. Yep. Now we're on to uh, the last entry, but certainly not the least. Uh, Camilo 
uh, did a little bit of a different thing and submitted an entry that he did not convert. <clears throat> oh my god! But uh, again, kind of similar to what we were talking about, Christian. The use of color here yep. makes me so happy. Yeah. Um, so this, like the whole model, was was underpainted in the kind of a purple pink, right? And all of the colors are built up over that purple pink. Um, and I can't remember. There's a name for that technique when you're doing actual painting, like a like canvas painting. Mm. Um, you're building up from a common color, but this is awesome. And this is something really cool that I've seen done with uh, with other colors. Blue is a popular one uh, as well, where the model doesn't read as a pink model, sure. right? But the the I, I guess I feel like the the pink quality of it helps all the other colors pop. Um, absolutely fantastic uh, use of that technique. Really love it. I like the um, so the, the the little help the slave drone has like a very organic quality to it. Mm -hmm. So using um, these directional strokes on yep. the on all the the bits of it help kind of solidify that. Yeah, I was gonna I was gonna make a, a a point that the the texturing is fantastic. Yeah, like it it feels like because you, you you can make the the material different, right? So if we go back to um, uh, the uh, 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 the Zon made, right? We talked about mm -hmm. how the color choice, um, like the specific paint color choice, makes the like say the the pants fabric. I don't know what you call it. Yeah. Of 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 this model versus the tires. It's the pants on your motorcycle. Yeah, the pants on your motorcycle, right? Like it looks different because there's a different shade being chosen, and like the, mm -hmm. the um, blending and stuff is different. But like texturally, I don't think there's like a lot of difference in the brushstrokes, you know. But in this case, like the paint colors are pretty similar, right? Like if you look at the eyes section versus the armor plates on the back, um, the the texture is from the brushstroke. Right. Yeah. As opposed and, to the color choice. So you can really see it on the uh, on those like two vents on either side of the bottom of what I assume is this weird bug thing's face, mm -hmm. um, where instead of highlighting in the direction of the edge, highlighting counter to the direction of the edge. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. And that really, um, again, gives it that that kind of grungy texture in a, in a great way. Mm -hmm. Um. You can definitely see this is done with a lot of glazing, a lot of thin layers built up. Um, yeah, really fantastic. Yeah. I just love the use of color in here. And then the, the bright green glowing eye, like vacant looking eyes. Mm -hmm. Well, there's nothing in there. It's Dr. Worm. Yeah, it's right. Dr. Worm. Okay. Well, that was all the... Um... That was all of the entries. Thank you so much for everybody who submitted them. Uh, these are fantastic. I, I, you know, I said in the Facebook post, I, I really only do this because uh, I always want to see people's amazing art, uh, and consistently deliver quarter to quarter. So thank you very much for taking the time. Uh, please feel free to share these out with you all of your socials and stuff. Now that they're they're on the on the Bremen Academy site, um, beautiful beautiful work. This is actually an incredibly difficult decision. Um, you know, but but thankfully, uh, the the judges all, you know, mostly agreed. The the vast majority of us uh, put 
the Batard by Christian, aka Brilsford, in in first this quarter. Mm -hmm. So uh, big congratulations to you. Um, yeah, beautiful work. Really uh, beautiful work. Yeah, there it was. Like honestly, uh, depending on you know, I, I, at this point, it's down to like I think what uh, what really. Um, like each judge is like, like now, now it's down to biases. Like everything is so, so good. Right. And I, I don't want to say that like all, like the funny thing I'm is the bias. Hmm? I have no bias. No, 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 no. But like, but you like color theory, right? I so, do. so you're going to be more excited about a model that has color theory stuff. I like texture. Right. Okay. And so, so, but like you, you could have a color theory, like an execute execution on color theory model. Right. Mm -hmm. And an excellent execution on texture model, but they but they might be you know different. In this in this case, it just happens to coincide. And and I think I think the I, I'm I'm sort of giving a roundabout compliment to Christian here in the sense that um, <laughs> the the execution um, on the things that all the judges were looking for, and we're all looking for different things, right? Was very very good. Right on all mm -hmm. on all like you know metrics I guess I should say right and there I think go. that's that's what pushed like it it was it was just interesting to to get this feedback from people and be like oh this one is first because whatever right and the whatever was different for all the people that we talked to funny so I you know I just wanted to share that so very 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 well done and then of course uh, because everybody did an amazing job we should have a chance for other people to get things so we're gonna spin the wheel. Of names, we're gonna name, do it now. Name, Real name. names, hit the button. Don't you have a button for this? Me? You a, yeah, you have a button for this, don't you? On my screen? Yeah. No, no. The the gene. Anyway. Oh wait. Yes, I do have. I have that. I have that thing. You do. Spin <laughs> the wheels on me. There we go. That's what I was looking for. Well, okay, now about? we can finally do it. Screen, Gosh. Up the wheel. Gosh. All right. Congratulations, Peter. AKA Congratulations. Uh, and yeah, thanks everyone for entering. This was a, a phenomenal round of entries. Like, holy crap. Yeah. I mean, they, they feel like they get better every quarter. So I'm really looking forward to people's S4 remotes. One of the nice things about it is I feel like uh, there's a lot of opportunity for fun texturing to happen because there's a lot of surface area on an S4 remote. Mm -hmm. So that'll be... Oh. I felt like I, I had one last little bit for for Jordan, which was again on the side where you can see it in the shadow. You're yeah. starting to see uh, Jordan is making things look like things are different colors in the shadow. So like the the like this one. I uh, actually go to the the other one where you're seeing totally the shadow side. This one. <clears throat> nope. There you go. Okay. Um. So if you look under the on the arm. On the upper arm, you can see the armor plate in the center is clearly a different color in the shadow than the armor plate on either side and below it. Say, say that again. So the armor, the kind of triangular or trapezoidal armor plate, yes, directly under the shoulder, yes. Like if that if this was taken out of the dark and put into light, like that would be black, while the armor plate in front of it or underneath it might be gold. Oh sure. Uh-huh. So you're starting to see the colors of what these are supposed to, what these would look like in the light, but how that is then affecting the light reflecting off of it in the shadow. 
I see. I see. I just want to say, like, that's. I think I'm. I think those are. I think uh, both the additional source of light and that are all suggestions uh, that we have given Jordan, and he's just doing a great job executing on. But yeah, I just noticed that, and I was wanted to make sure that. Yeah, God, this, is, this is such a good paint job. Yep. Great stuff this week. Yeah. All right. Well, now it's time for the other thing. It's the main event. We are here to talk about the new classified deck. Or not classified. What's the new name? The operations deck. Because it has more than just classified cards in it. It has operations cards in it, too. Oh, man. We missed the opportunity, John, to have, like, the operation game. Oh, <laughs> yeah, we did. Yeah. Wah, wah. Um, all right. Well, so yeah, let's uh, let's run through the card, shall we? Talk about things that we noticed that are immediately different. And uh, yeah, ew. you want to just run through the the classifieds first? That's probably the yeah. easiest thing to digest. Um, so, yeah. So there's there's classifieds just as there were before. A lot of the ones we've been used to return. Um, I guess you know here's uh, pictures. Thanks to Obi for for uh, taking pictures of his deck. Um, is his Wait. deck picks, as it were? <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> oh my god! Thank you, John. Um, yeah. So these aren't in any particular order. Actually, the they're in a very particular order. It's the order that Obi took photos of them in. Yeah. Um, so first up, sabotage. Sabotage seems pretty similar, um, except that they no longer. I can't remember if they specified building before, but it's a building or piece of scenery mm -hmm. so you can pick literally anything not having to go for buildings um that might be old that you had to pick a specific building um and one actually one thing really quick that's different here is the way that they've defined designated trooper and they yeah. use the word designated trooper a lot in the description um that is really helpful so every card it makes it really abundantly clear yeah I mean, ba basically, I think the big takeaway for classifieds is they've done another pass of just tightening up the rules yeah. a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's, there's, there's a new keyword called designated trooper, which they reference in all of the rules text of like the actual objective of the classified. And then at the top of all the cards, they say designated trooper and they define what it is for that particular card. Right. So for yeah. sabotage, it says designated trooper and it's a trooper with D charges. Yeah, you know it. It sabotage is a sabotage. It works the same way it did before, basically. Um, yeah. Yep. After the initiative roll, you uh, for deployment, you privately pick a building or other piece of scenery, um, and go hit it with a D charge. Yep. And so this is just placing a D charge. Um, when it detonates, there's no saving rules made for the scenery. So if you place it on something that is a scenery element that is destructible, you don't need to fail the rules to score the card, mm -hmm. right? Um, then so that's card number seven, and it has the little gear, which I can't remember what the name of that symbol is. Yeah, um, I don't remember what it is either. But basically, there's there's some some of the ITS missions. Some of the ITS right. missions reference it, like you might get an extra point, or you might cancel something else if you succeed. Things like that. Yeah, um, might be worth something else in in like uh, the um, what's the oh shoot what's the name of the thing info infocom, is that it? Yeah, one yeah. of those. Um, uh, okay. Then there's uh, card two is net undermine. Uh, basically, same thing as it was before. Be on the enemy half of the table, make whip roll, hooray. Uh, yep. Veteran troops, elites, or chain of command can do it. Um, yeah, thanks. It's all come. And then predator. Uh, this is much more oh clear now. It's um, so much better. Yeah. 
So the text is, during the game, it's pretty small, you might not be able to read it. During the game, the player must put at least two enemy troopers into unconscious or dead state by performing CC attack. Yep. So it's great. It That's does what it is. It does mean that it sounds like if you put someone unconscious, they get doctored, and you put that guy unconscious again with CC, that will not count because it is two enemy troopers, not mm -hmm. the same enemy trooper twice. Right. But like in general, I feel like this is much more clear um, how it works. But it does open a question, right? If they get doctored, do you still get the point? Yes, because during the game, you yeah. had put the enemy model unconscious. Mm -hmm. Using a CC attack. So you can't undo Predator by doctoring. Correct. Got it. Okay. Card 13 <laughs> mapping. Uh, Ford Observer Hacker. Basically go to a piece of scenery in the enemy deployment zone and touch it and whip roll it. Right? Same as before. And the whip roll. Uh, yep. HVT designation. Go spotlight the, you know, the HVT or Ford Observe it. Uh, like before, you have to do you have to do two of them. Times and it's always works through a repeater, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a new one now, card 20 HUT assassination. Uh, so you can, rad. yeah, so you can either be lieutenant, NCO, or chain of command. So you, you, Jing loves this. <laughs> that's it's that's such a cool, yeah. I mean, combined is totally fine with that. Yep. Um, JSA can either be totally fine with it or not fine with it at all. <laughs> yeah right Kaitsotsu go yeah. <laughs> no I don't want to <laughs> okay so the designated trooper must have an enemy HUT model inside LF in zone of control uh, spend a short skill whip roll it and that murders the HUT yep um, if you, get... you sorry go ahead oh, I was going to say um, if the designated trooper so the, the, the model you're doing this with is in silhouette contact with the HVT, it's plus three to your whip roll yep so the Katsosu is now with 15. And I love that they use that piece of art with it. Oh, yeah, it's great. That was it's, always... it's, it's the correct piece of art for sure. Oh, yeah. It's such a brutal piece of art. Oh, I know. Um, okay. So then we go get to the next one. We have HVT inoculation, similar to before, Dr. Paramedic. Um, silhouette contact with the enemy HVT, spend a short skill, and make a whip plus three. I don't think it was plus three before. I don't think it was either. Um, and it can be done with a peripheral. Mm -hmm. So that's a much easier one to score. Is that so, what you could do that with a peripheral before, right? Well, yeah, but not with plus three. Mm -hmm. um, so having a peripheral with plus three whip, it's a quite a bit easier. Um, so I'm saying, okay, so the next well, one. Of course you could. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, you could. Anyway, sorry, yeah. yeah. New one. Go ahead. So suspected infiltration. Um, this is a, this is kind of a weird one. So you, your, your designated trooper, so the trooper you're executing, you're doing this with, it has to be a doctor, a hacker, a veteran, or elite. Right, so kind of an odd smattering, I feel like, of units. Um, yeah. But I guess it's like, it's it's papers, please, right? So Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, those are, those are the people that would be able to figure out. Like, doctor's like, oh, you're, you're a Shaz because you, you know, have different pheromones or something. Yeah. And then the hacker would be like, oh, your your Quantronic signature is different. And the veterans and elites are like, my battle sense is, my spidey yeah, sense is tingly, <laughs> right? Um, all right. So the designated trooper must be in silhouette contact with an enemy trooper whose type is not remote or tag um, and spend a normal, uh, spend a short skill of an order, 
to make a normal whip plus three. Um, it can be done with a peripheral without the plus three mod, mm -hmm. and it can be done while engaged. So you'll probably want to put the enemy unconscious first <laughs> before you, you ask yeah. them for identification and they punch you in the face. Right. <laughs> you find out they were uh, infiltrating. <laughs> um, Surprise. But, and so this is cool because you can do it with the peripheral again, but without that without plus, plus three. three. Yeah. So it kind of gives that doctor a few more options um, other than getting close to the enemy. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So the next one is, was it capture? capture. Mm -hmm. That was a little hard to read from the reflection, but unfortunately I have it here. It's uh, still veteran uh, elite or chain of command. And I think it works the same as it did before. Um, yeah. Basically um, be in base contact with uh, a, an enemy trooper that's uh, in a null or immobilized state and you yourself can't be null, right? So you have to yeah. be alive. So, Pretty straightforward. Not a hard one to get. No. Okay, Maybe, so, well, it can be because if you sure. have a lot of shock or something, that's happened to me before. Right, here we go. That's the extras plan all along. Ah, there you go. I'm denying my opponent points. <laughs> um, so next one. Go for it. HPT identity check. Same as before. You need biometric visor, MSV, or sensor. Uh, B in zone of control and LOF, and then whip roll it. Most Did they add sensor. sensor, or was sensor on it before? Sensor was there before. Okay. Well, yep. um, kidnapping, then, I think, is exactly the same. Yep. Yep, so veteran elite chain of command, civ mm -hmm. uh, with the enemy HPT. Yep. Nano espionage is different. Um, so it still requires engineer, or doctor, or paramedic, and then they drop the you know data tracker because that's not a thing anymore, and it changes season to season. So which is why I like the doesn't need the trooper thing. Um, but now you have to shoot, uh, you have to shoot an enemy specialist troop with either a medicate or a gizmo kit. Um, yeah, or that's rad. That's so much easier than it was before. <laughs> <laughs> yes, seriously. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's it's pretty cool, like shooting. So the question I have is, if you shoot an unconscious enemy model with a medikit, yep. Um, I, mean, I guess it's just the it's rule specifically still, says and has no effects. Yeah, it has no effects. Yeah, yeah. So that that solves that. So there's no bringing back the enemy. Right, right, right. But I mean, like you know, linked linked uh, clockmakers, Pandora, any anything or Rindax, right? Anything with plus medikit burst. Oh sure. We'll we'll wreck this or plus gizmo kit burst. Sure, sure. That's, that's perfect. Yeah, right. Another reason to take those models and links, which is fun. Well, it makes you care about having gizmo kits. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you gizmo kit tags. It's fine. Yeah. Okay, uh, on to the next one. Another so, another new one, uh, card 19, Vigilance. So you need to be uh, medium or heavy infantry. Um, and then basically a designated trooper must be inside the zone of control of an enemy trooper who is inside the enemy half of the table, totally inside, right? So you can't be over the over the line, mm -hmm. any part of you. Uh, and then short skill and whip roll, right? So you got to be you got to be in zone of control and then on basically on the enemy side of the table. Well, do um, you have to be on the enemy side of the table, or just the enemy? No, the, the enemy does. The enemy does. Okay, yeah, right. Um, and if you have uh, LOF, you get plus three. Yeah, I, I do kind of like these normal rolls that you're making too, because mm -hmm. it 
you know, they require, uh, you know, you trigger an ARO and right. suddenly like you have to, you have to survive whatever the ARO is going to be. Uh, yeah. I mean, presumably this is so like you, they can't face to face your vigilance role with like a dodge or something. Sure. Or sure. Outside of line of fire. Um, well, yeah, you can't do that, but also like my vigilance role doesn't cancel your dodge or whatever. Right. 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 Like, also true. Okay, then we've got combat support, which is card eight. Uh, basically, they combined um, experimental drug and uh, test run, yeah, right, into one card. Basically, uh, if you're a doctor, or engineer, or paramedic, heal a thing, right? You can either this be is in, so great. You can be in a base contact, or you can medicate gizmo kit them, um, but you can't use a um, peripheral to do it. Correct. But this is, I think, this is such a great combination of those two mm -hmm. right because if you if you have both a doctor and an engineer not only do you have the ability to heal multiple unit types so you also have redundancy on this card also true yeah and then and then you can just you can also just take one right so yeah. it kind of it kind of means that you don't have to cover test run anymore by like forcibly inclu including a rem even if you didn't want to mm -hmm. right something like that i mean like you could throw a flash pulse spot in there it's not a big deal but maybe you have a slot problem right yeah. so i, mean, this I is, don't this is think great. I don't can, yeah. You could use the gizmo kit and everything before too. Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah, you just you just healing structure, right? Yeah. Um, okay. I really like this one. Yeah, yeah. fantastic, fantastic uh, difference. So then you've got HPT reverse engineering. It's reverse engineering instead of retro engineering now, but it does the same thing. You get plus three whip, uh, and you can use a uh, peripheral to do it. Yep. It's so this is just like there was the doctor one we talked about a minute ago. Yep. Um, uh, one of the things that I kind of wish they did was make the peripheral stuff a little more consistent, right? Because I don't want to have to remember the difference. It's on the card. You know, I'm just, you know, bitching it about minutiae now. Well, so the way I look at it, it they seem to have made, um, just like speaking, you know, with painting with very broad strokes, mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> the cards that are more specific are easier to execute or have more specific requirements for designated uh, trooper. Mm are easier to execute. So the one sure. that, the one that allows doctors and engineers, no peripheral. The one that only allows doctors or the one that only allows engineers does allow peripherals. Right. Right. So the it's it kind of is a little bit of I feel like a little bit of a balancing act. Um where like it is harder because you have less redundancy. Uh, yes. But it is easier because you can be in multiple places at once through the peripheral. That's fair. That's just the way. That's the way I, my my brain. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that's a, that's a good game design perspective on it. I was just more thinking about like remembering things as a player. Yeah, yeah, no, <laughs> totally. <laughs> like, like mechanically, it might like it might math out right and then feel wrong in play. Mm -hmm. uh, Jordan brings up an excellent point. It's also a matter of doing something you already want to do versus a separate thing, right? Like, you're if you sure. brought a, a doctor, an engineer, and your intent is to heal a thing anyway. Right, it should be a little harder because that was a thing that would benefit you. But there's no benefit to like HVT reverse engineering other than getting the point. Like it doesn't or, advance game state at all. You have to spend a lot of resources to do it just for the point. So that makes sense too. Okay, we HVT follow up. Uh, I think that's the same as before, right? So basically, you'd be medium or heavy infantry, uh, being zone of control of the enemy HVT, whip roll them with a short skill, um, and then you get plus three if you see them. Same as before. Yeah, so uh, I think yep. the difference here between follow-up and vigilance um, is that vigilance is basically follow-up on the enemy table side. 
Yes. And it's for anything, any trooper as opposed to HPT. Oh, true, true, true. Yep. Right. Uh, and then you've got telemetry, same as before, right? So forward observers, spotlight, uh, or, or hackers can do it. Anybody has access to spotlight. Uh, basically, you put them in the targeted state. That's the thing to get it. Do it yep. is one of the few ones you can do in arrow. Um, then you've got HTC espionage, um, the same as before, right? You you are a lead hacker. You don't actually have to have spotlight for this one, which is nice. So your killer hackers that infiltrate, right? Looking at you, JSA. Um, you can you know just have the HTC inside your zone of control. So this can't be done through a repeater, right? Not your hacking area. So or your zone of control. You say or your hackers without hacking devices. Right. That's also a thing. <laughs> Um, and then just whip roll it. I think the plus three might be new. Or is it oh, minus three? three? It's minus three. Is that new? I don't remember if it was minus three before. Like uh, negative, three, negative three mod is interesting because it's the only one that has a penalty. Yeah. Not sure. But yeah. slightly different. But same same general thing. You want a hacker. It has to be next to the HUT. And so here's a thought. Did, do you wonder if they made this one more difficult because hackers do so many classifieds? Possibly. Actually, I mean, I have my class, my old classified deck handy. Let me grab it real quick. Yeah. Let's find out because this is... Oops. Wait, was this open before? <laughs> it's <laughs> like in the bag. That's bad. I haven't played in like a week, so I forget everything. Yeah, right? I know. Seriously, I haven't played in like, it feels like a month. Okay, here we go. So let's see. Let's grab my cards. Well, yeah, quality, quality content right now. While I go look this up. But I don't think espionage before was negative three. But there it is, was. It is. In... Yep. Oh, it was. Okay. Yep. Hacker with enemy HUT model inside his own control. Minus three whip. There we have it. There um, you go. Then, so we have two more cards. Um, Industrial espionage, another new one. So this is engineer, Ford observer, veteran, or elite troop. So this is kind of the um, the the other side of was a suspected infiltration. Um, and this is the designated trooper must be in contact with an enemy trooper with the engineer special skill or whose troop type is heavy infantry remote or tag, um, and make a normal whip with the plus three mod. Uh, it can be done with the servant without the plus three. So, um, the player and the player is allowed to declare it in CC. So it works very similar, but a little bit different. And then finally, we have uh, data scan. So this is again hackers only. Um, the hacker must spend a short skill in order to make a successful whip against an enemy trooper in their zone of control. It is a comms attack and can be avoided with a reset. So maybe the the negative three for the other one is just kind of similar to the offsetting the can't reset out of it. Um, you can with a data scan. So, mm -hmm. so that covers the ATS cards. I don't think I don't think it's going to drastically change like how you build a list for something like highly classified. No, no, not. I don't think it changes it at all, really. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think you could just uh, take your, your old highly classified list or your old countermeasures list and just play it. Yeah, but I do like how the wording on everything feels a lot more cleaned up. Yeah, now there's not there's no more arguing. It's just it's just what it is what it is. Right. Um, I I will say I'm a little disappointed 
Um, not because I think it was poorly executed, but I think there was an opportunity to do some different stuff. Sure. Do, do it more differently. Yeah. Because there, there are a couple new ones, but yeah, they're not they're roughly similar. Different. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So before we get, I think before we get deep into the, uh, the next two decks, yeah. which are the battlefield conditions, the tactical objectives, I think it's worth going back and talking about resilience operations, which is where these decks are used, right? So resilience operations are a ITS mode where the mission you play uses these two decks. Um, first, you're going to generate, each player is going to generate three tactical objectives. We do that is by drawing four cards, discarding one. Um, and then uh, each of those cards is worth up to three points apiece. And then if you score from more cards, um, you'll get an extra plus one for the 10 points. So you don't use the classified deck. Um, and then each player will generate a battle condition where you're going to draw two, pick one, um, and reveal both those. So both battle conditions are in effect. And then each player has three cards that they're trying to score from. So because of that, you always set up beacons and HVTs uh, because those are used in some of the missions. But you, know, you can't be like, I've got this card, so set up some beacons for me, right? So you'll always set up two beacons and an HVT um, regardless. That's about it. So you're going to, like you say, you have the three cards and two battlefield conditions. So the cards, uh, the tactical objective cards determine the way you score points. There are 16 of those. Yeah, 16 of those and 12 um, battlefield conditions. So let's pull up the first one. So I just want to take a quick, a quick yeah. aside here. Uh, this is yams, basically. Yes. Basically, it is in pretty much in its entirety. Um, so you, it, it's it's three <sighs> instead of four cards, right? Um, yeah. And the scoring is slightly different. Yeah, I mean it's it's uh, I, I draw four, pick three is really nice. Um, mm -hmm. And I like I like that you can spend uh, spend command points to um, core command oh, tokens. Yeah. Right, to to uh, basically cycle one if you want. Uh, yeah, they're private information, just like in Yams, and the scoring is slightly different. Yams was scoring to four. This is like you can have up to nine, and then um, and then if you get more, you get plus one. Um, yeah, so it still fits within the the ten. Still point fits within ten, and and you can honestly you can think of resilience operations as like another mission. Yeah, that's basically it's it's basically like. Uh, like another highly classified kind of format, um, just like in Yams, there was there was I wasn't called I can't forget what the hell it was called. Was it called? I don't think it was called a beacon, but there was like a thing you put down. And there was an HUT, all this other stuff, right? And so like you would put you would deploy it, period, because you don't know what your opponent drew because it's private, so it has to <laughs> exist on the table, right? So same general idea. Um, yeah. Yams was a was a great way to learn the game for me. It's a it's a fun a fun system. YAM stands for yet another mission system. Uh, for those of you who not in the know, I on, like honestly before. I mean, I feel like this could become like my new standard way to just to play. Like, let's show up. Here's the list I'm bringing. Boom, go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you're just looking for a quick pick me up or pick up yeah. game, and you don't want to, you don't want to think about uh, particular mission. Yeah, I mean, I honestly, I think that's absolutely fine. It's a more more casual way to play the game. More fun. Yeah. You're not looking for a very detailed list building exercise for like two or three missions. Right. 
Uh, well, cool. So shall we start going through these missions really quick? Yeah. Starting with Cyber Siege. Um, all right, so Cyber Siege, um, after the initial roll, but before the deployment, the player privately chooses, so the player in this is always the player with the card, right? Um, the player privately chooses a piece of scenery that is totally inside the enemy table half. Um, a trooper must be in silhouette contact with the piece of scenery, spend a short skill of an order, and successfully make a normal whip negative, uh, with negative three, and you get two objective points. Um, if the piece of scenery is totally inside the enemy deployment zone, you get three. So this is a all or nothing scoring mission, right? You can't score one point off of it. Um, and if you put it in the enemy deployment zone, you can't score two points, right? You will score either the three points or zero points. Mm -hmm. um, not bad. I think it's a mission you definitely take when you have uh, airborne deployment. Sure. Right? Something where you can try to get that roll really quick. The whip yeah. negative three can like, totally bite you in the ass, though. I mean, like Van Zandt would be really happy to do this. Sure. Right? Sure. But three, three points. Like, Van Zandt comes on, three points hit, and then, like, you know, kills something. Sure. That's great turn. I, I just, the whip negative three to me just feels like, you, or you could spend four orders trying to do this, and it's like, well, you scored also the three true. And you wasted your first turn. <laughs> Maybe that's kind of okay, though, right? That's... Three, three, be, points is a lot. three yeah, points three is a points lot. Three points is huge. Um, right. And I, I did want to bring up the, um, you know, you can you can score less than three points from these cards, but that still counts as successful in terms of counting the number of cards you succeed at, right? Yeah. Uh, oh, for the for the tenth bonus point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. The next one is priority target. Um, so this is kind of like um, uh, pave the way, clear the way from heavy gear. Oh, yeah. Right. So once you uh, once you deploy, you do reveal this, um, and your opponent uh, chooses three troopers that are not a token. Right. So no hidden deployment stuff, no camo tokens, no holocos, that kind of stuff. Um, mm -hmm. And then you get to go murder those things. I like that your opponent chooses what you have to go murder. Yeah, you're like, all right, it's gonna be the avatar. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Damn it. <laughs> but I mean, you're gonna try to do it? that anyway, probably. Yeah, right. Like, or is it like you're getting you're getting my lieutenant? I mean, you're getting it's mnemonica, but yeah, still still want, hard. Yeah, um, but I, yeah, I do like that the opponent picks. I think that's pretty cool. That's very funny. Yeah. Uh, okay, we've got survival. Uh, this is like the biotech for survival kind of deal, right? So if you have uh, twenty-five to fifty percent remaining, one. 50 to 75, two, and then more than 75% of your stuff remaining is three objective points, right? So, perfect. The, what is it? Um, what's that movie with uh, RDJ and Tom Cruise? It's the survive meme. I don't know. Uh, Isaac, Isaac, Isaac will know. Anyway, but. Okay. Uh, uh, okay. So, we've got. So, uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so Z domination. It's funny, there's a Z domination and an N domination. Mm hmm. And oh, the the Z and the N, what I've been able to figure out is the terminal points of the letter are the zones that you are scoring. Yeah. Right. So Z domination, uh, from your perspective, you want to declare, you want to score the quadrant that is on the left and on the opponent's side, uh, and on the right on your side. So two yep. diagonal quadrants. The one in your opponent's side is worth two points. The one in your side is worth one point. At the, and this is at the end of the game. 
It's kind of fun because you know you might want to be there anyway. Things or like you that. might not. <laughs> or you or you might not. Yep. Okay. Then we've got uh, the next round of cards. We've got decapitation. Um, basically, murder lieutenants. If you do it once, you get two objective points. If you do it more than once, you get three. Right. So you... yeah, and I, I like this one a lot because it's not kill more lieutenants the way like decap normally is. Mm -hmm. But it's just, if I kill you, the 10-ounce coin two points, which is awesome. Uh, yep. I definitely think if you're playing this mission format, you have to take a tanky lieutenant. Yeah, you need to keep this in mind. Yep. Um, okay, then we've got Interrupt the Signal, uh, which is uh, go attack enemy beacons. Yep, right? so the enemies have two beacons. Each beacon has, I think, two structure. Um, or it might just have the one structure and unconscious, which is still two. Right. Yeah. Um, so, so real quick, let's look at what, a, what what beacon deployment looks like. Where'd my mouse go? There it goes. Okay. So, so beacons are arm four BTS four uh, three structure silhouette two. Oh wow. And so they're they're kind of tanky. Um, yeah. And I mean, so so you can do this with one beacon, right? You don't need to get both of them. You can like walk up to a beacon and decharge it a few times, and that'll be that, right? Um, but you basically have to place it at your deployment zone edge, not on the table edge, but at the deployment zone edge facing the, the middle of the table, right? So mm -hmm. you can sort of see they've got the little arrows there next to the beacon dot. So you can place it anywhere along the edge, which is kind of nice. Um, so interesting. These beacons can only be damaged with weapons that have anti-material. Yep. Um, they can be shot at. You don't have to just CC yep. them. So you can uh, you can do it with um, uh, uh, like a missile launcher. launcher. Yep, missile launcher will yep. happily do it. Um, and you can also repair them. Right, right. They can be targeted. Uh, they can be targeted by um, engineers by or gizmo kits. Engineers and gizmo kits. Mm -hmm. You can't so, use it for cover, at least in deployment, because you can't you can't touch it yeah. in deployment. Um, so I think that's a pretty cool one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's S two. Um, so that's interrupt the signal. So it's like two antennas. You're trying to you know, break one of them or, or, or damage two of them. Yes. And you've got appropriation. Um, basically, you can capture beacons now. So you, you gain one objective point if you capture any enemy beacons. Um, and then if you have it inside your table half, you gain an objective uh, extra point, And you gain two extra points if it's totally inside your deployment zone. Yep. So you want to go grab a beacon from the enemy table app and move it over to your side. Yep. So that means you can pick them up. What are the rules for that? Um, Capture the tactical element. So I'm guessing the tactical element, I guess the beacon counts yeah. as a tactical element. Those, those are tactical elements. Beacons, um, beacons, HVTs, hostile HVTs, those are all under the tactical elements okay. section. So the requirements for this are... Uh, Oh, interesting. Okay. So you just basically be touching a, a unconscious guy who has one, uh, be touching an allied guy who has one. Um, mm -hmm. Actually, just pull this up. Boop, boop, boop. So uh, be, or just like touch it itself, right? And then yeah. you don't need to roll for it, but it is a short skill with the attack label. So if you get flash pulsed, you can't do it. Sure. Um, you can carry a maximum of one unless you're a baggage thing like Maggie. So you, yep. um, yep. And then, uh, you, 
Bottles um, not markers. Yeah, bottles not markers, and then uh, you can't take it off the table, right? This just stays on the table. Okay. Which is a thing. Okay. Cool. Um, then you have uh, appropriate supplies as another one, which is you gain um, one objective point for each enemy objective that they control. I imagine they mean beacons here. Nope. So, um, well, let's see here. Players use one objective if they capture any beacons. If any captured enemy beacons are totally inside their deployment half, they get two. No, I'm talking about appropriate supplies. The next one. Oh, appropriate supplies. Um, no, so there are... Um, oh, I see. Before the deployment zone, each player must also place three objectives totally inside the... Yeah. Players. Okay. So, so there's just objectives in there. Yeah, so before you play this game, you're setting up two beacons, three objectives, and an HVD. Oh, that's a lot of things. It is. Uh, at minimum, right? Because right. there's also other things that might require more things to be deployed. Um, so then, did we do appropriation? Yes, that was that was what we just did. We just did, yeah. So we're good yeah. on this one. Okay. Um, decimate the enemy forces. So this is annihilation, yep. right? Scoring is the inverse. Yeah. Uh, this is the survival one. Twenty-five to fifty, oh. fifty to seventy-five, more than seventy-five, more points. Yeah. Uh, then we've got N domination, which is the opposite of Z domination. You need to do your near left or far right quadrants. The far one yep. is worth two points, and your one is worth one point. Right. This is basically the same thing, just the opposite quadrants from before. Yep. Uh, we've got triangulate the signal. Um, at the end of the game, the player gains one objective point up to a maximum of two for each of their beepers that is totally inside the enemy half of the table. Uh, if any of one of those is uh, inside the enemy deployment zone, you gain an extra point. Yep, so a beeper is basically all models on both sides have beepers. Everybody has beepers. Um, and you can spend a short skill to plant the beeper. Um, the beeper is arm two BTS zero one structure S two. So the, the beeper is basically like what we would talk about beacons from other ITS seasons. Um, oh, like the Xenotechs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but so the point of this mission is you need to spend time planting these beacons and your opponent needs to blow them up. Okay, well, now I need to 3D print some, be like, you know, 90s beepers. <laughs> Do it. If you, if you can 3D print it with, like, pager code. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Fantastic. Okay, we got King of the Hill, uh, which is there's an eight-inch circle, uh, radius circle, starting in the middle of the table. Um, dominate the set, dominate the circle, right? Want to be in the middle of the table. Um, Dominating is to subjugate, which is a new term I think this season, mm -hmm. which is you are the only one. Yep. And the radius gets you a third point. Yeah. So dominate is uh, you have more VP inside the area. You count as being in the area if more than half of you is in. Um, yeah, and then uh, subjugate is a quadrant or sector is subjugated as long as you're the only one with at least one trooper as a model, not a marker. Yeah, that's a big deal. Yeah, um, yeah. So king of the hill, go go claim it. Yep. All right. Almost there. Silence, I think, is next. Mm -hmm. Where do they go? All right. So. Um, a trooper must have an enemy HVT model in their line of fire and zone of control and spend a short skill of an order and make a successful whip, a normal whip roll. If the roll is successful, remove the HVT from the table. Um, at the end of the game, the player gains objective points depending on how many enemy HVTs they removed. That's right, you, do, you set up two HVTs. So one HVT, you get one point. If they get both HVTs off the table, three points. 
Yeah, so this is basically the Assassin HVT thing, but twice. Yeah. Um, and then guard the supply lines. So at the end of the game, they get one objective point for each of their own objective markers they control. This seems pretty easy to do. But you kind of want to wait, because if you do it early, you'll telegraph to your opponent. Yeah, I think that's the trick with this one, right? Yeah. Is the other missions that use objectives, the opponent is interacting with them. Mm -hmm. That's really uh, interesting. I mm -hmm. think I think this is you save a command token to coordinate. <laughs> this is basically Yeah. Yeah. To coordinate models that's standing yeah, on them. Yeah, exactly. All right. Then we've got central control, which is kind of like weird frontline. Um basically the in, instead of being the N or Z um quadrants, now you're controlling uh two different eight inch strips extending from the center line of the table. Um and the farther one is worth two points and the other one is worth one, you want to dominate. Yeah, I think this one confused me more because of the the zones being out of scale in the artwork. Oh sure, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was like, I was like, I was like, man, that's such a small zone. It's like no eight inches. That's like a that's a third lot. of that table half. Like yep. it's a big zone. Yep. Um. Yeah. I mean, you know, that bothers me too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> then we got hijacking at the end of the game. Um. You gain a point for civvacking an H enemy HVT. Uh, maximum of two, and if you ran away to your deployment zone, you get to get an extra point. Yeah. So to to max score this, you need to have both HVTs, and one of them must be in your DZ. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's funny. Yeah, a lot of these <laughs> feel very yamsy to me. One of the things about this is that uh, I don't think any of these have anything talking about specialists. Yeah, none of them. Um, I don't, yeah, I don't think any of them require specialists. So I will say that one of the things that this will create is now McMurrow is a specialist. Yeah, right, because McMurrow can do all the objectives. Yep, and that's fine. It does dramatically change the valuation on a lot of units, I think. Mm -hmm. um, so this, always, this goes back to a lot of the internet arguments we had um, and then three about like what is better, you know, this is a this is a thing I trot out a lot on the show, but I'll do it again because it's actually exactly what we're talking about right now, which is like which is better, a Kriza, a Gecko, or an Intruder HMG, right? Yeah. And uh, our answer was, you know, we think the Gecko is pretty good because you can get out, you have a burst five assault pistol, and you can push buttons. That's no longer relevant here. Yeah. Right. I. Yeah, I think for the for the base way to play this out of the you know, out of the book, I agree. Uh, um, but I the the thing I really like about these cards is I actually feel like there's a lot of interesting ways you could you, you can generate ways to generate missions in a way that is dynamic and interesting. For instance, um, you could play highly classified, but instead of generating the personal classified objectives, each player generates one tactical objective. Sure. Right. Um, yeah, there, there are some interesting things like that. Although, I, yeah, so just going through, when you do play this mode, each player is required to set up two beacons, three um, objectives. objectives, and four HVTs. Four H, wow. Yep. Before deployment, each player must place four HVTs totally inside 
the area extending four inches from their deployment zone. Interesting. Um, and so the, the HVTs actually have to be... Oh, the HVTs are actually from 12 to 16 inches. So they're in a band. Yeah. Um, the typical exclusion zone. That's sorry, the, the dead zone bands that we're used to. For yeah, exactly. So uh -huh. actually, what one thing that this really does open up, which is really cool, is uh, custom mission designs. So yeah. your your um, your mission parameters go to seven, and then you pick one of these as the remaining three. Sure, I think that's really right. cool. And then, like draw draw two, keep one kind of thing. That's mm -hmm. really fun. Um, yeah, I I like this a lot. Uh, I will definitely play this. This is you know. Uh, I think more fun to me than um, you know probably reinforcements. Honestly, right? I mean, I'm gonna have fun honestly just making that laundry list of uh, of required elements. Sure. Right? Or it's like, okay, I can make two beacons that are faction specific. I can make three objectives. Oh, four... you mean like like uh, scratch yeah. building? Well, stuff? I want to model them. Yeah. Oh yeah, 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 for sure. Okay, so the the other half though is that in addition to generating three of these cards. There are going to be two battlefield uh, conditions that are in play. Um, and battlefield conditions are generated similarly. Each player is going to draw two and pick one, and then they're revealed in initiative order. If the second player picks the same one as the first player, then in, they will discard their one and just draw one, and that's the one you're playing. Mm. Um, okay, so... Uh, first one is Storm, so everything with a visor of any kind is getting plus one, plus six skill. So biometric, multivisor, X-visor, all plus one BS. If you, if you have a list for it, that could be brutal. Yep. Um, hostile civilians, uh, enemy HPTs are hostile HPTs. And... Now that's, I mean, with four HPTs... Suddenly you've got like four kind of defensive ARO pieces. You might want to pick this one just based on where you set up your HVTs. Yeah. So you're if if that's the case, you can shoot them now. You you aren't so basically in some scenarios the enemy HVTs are reactive and hostile, reacting as if they are an enemy trooper, right? So you just take arrows as normal. Um, in those scenarios, players are allowed to attack them, and you yeah. use, and you use the following profile. So they're move four four CC six BS eight. Uh, Fizz 11, Whip 11, Arm 1, BTS 0, 1 wound. And they come with a stun pistol and nothing else. Awesome. Stun pistols are no joke. <laughs> no, yeah. They can, like, they've absolutely like, ruined my day a couple times. Yeah. Okay, then we've got Ambush. Uh, so before the deployment phase, in initiative order, each player must place three mines, shock mines, in camouflage state, Anywhere inside their deployment zone or in the dead zone, right? So basically, uh, up basically deployment zone plus four inches. Yeah, and that's extra gross if you're playing a faction with camo, anyways. Yes, uh, Tech fucking loves this. Yeah. Also, uh, if you've played the mission holographic havoc, that's just six mines now, which is yeah, right, stupid. Uh, okay, then we've got defense system failure. Before the deployment phase, uh, you place two hostile F-13 defensive turrets uh, totally inside um, the area covering four inches on either side of the central line of the game table. So this is kind of like the, uh, the eight-inch strip in power pack for saturation. Um, and they're hostile to both players. 
Yeah, so both players place two. So that's four. It's four TR, TR turrets. <laughs> In the center of the table. Yep. So. I guess they liked your mission. I, I guess so. <laughs> uh, they're, like, yeah. they're like, yeah, but John, what if four? Yeah, what if there were, what if there were four? <laughs> <laughs> and no way to turn them off. Yes, exactly, right? Just just shoot them. That's how you turn them off. Okay. Uh, <laughs> we've got aquatic combat. Um, you can choose... Uh, one of the following two options. Uh, place two circular templates on any surface of the game table. Um, have to be outside of the deployment zone. Uh, and it's a aquatic terrain zone with saturation. Yep. Or, um, while totally inside the area covering four inches on either side of the central line of the game table, right? So just like the eight-inch band centered on the, um, the, the middle of the table. Yeah. Um, anything that is aquatic or terrain total uh actually you know gains plus one to their movement so kind of the yeah. uh the um uh the the normal terrain skill improvement thing right i like that it's a choice here mm -hmm. you can play with the strip or you can just play with the uh the lakes right yeah um urban combat everybody gets plus one inch to your first movement value and if you have the total terrain skill you get plus two inches instead so speedy. I'm trying to think if there's anything with total terrain in the first movement of six. Um, um, see, Sean we... is disgusting. Oh, yes. That's going to put them up to 10. Mm -hmm. Yep. <laughs> with climbing plus. 10 inch cautious move. Oh, baby. Yeah. It, I, you know, and again, urban combat, I kind of see what they're doing here. I think that CB is, you know, they, they're getting it's, benefits. It's letting, to... you, it's letting you climb, long skill yeah. climb. That's what it is. Yeah. Um, still, still a little brutal for the highly optimized Susha, right? <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> yeah, Susha, loves urban combat. Yep. Okay, um. knight. Uh, any BS attacker discover where uh you're over, um, as uh twenty four inches. Twenty four inches. You you basically is a, a zero is a low vis zone. Yep. So that makes MSV hyper relevant. Yep. Um, I like the night one quite a bit. Mm -hmm. It feel it feels right to me. Yeah, it's it's. I think it's better than CQB, which is the next one, which is yeah. anything over thirty two inches in terms of BS attacks is just straight up fail. You don't roll. Yeah, I like more than C. I like night definitely more than CQB. Yep. And MSV is such an expensive skill, anyways. Mm -hmm. Fine, giving it a little extra. Um, Makes MSV one even more fun. Right. So desert combat works the same way as aquatic combat, except that desert you're zones. Play, yep, you're either placing desert zones that are um terrain desert desert and low visibility instead of saturation. Yep. Um then we've got space, Arctic, and jungle, which are what they sound like zero G uh mountain for Arctic and then jungle for jungle. Yep. So well <clears throat> but um, so desert is low vis space combat. You're placing white noise zones, mm -hmm. um, and also in the space combat one, the area in the middle instead of getting plus one inch, you can uh, super jump. Yep, super jump. Um, Arctic combat is uh, is saturation, but if you are in that zone in the middle and you have total terrain, you get climbing plus. It's like they took our whole list, John. They did. We'll say 100% credit for this. Yep, 100% right here. 
We'll be waiting for our royalty checks. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Although Jungle Combat, they got it wrong. It should be plus three fizz to dodge. Yep, exactly. But it's saturation. Tisk tisk tisk. Yep. Um, but no, I like I like these cards. It gets a little bit weird. I kind of feel like um, aquatic desert space Arctic jungle combat should be mutually exclusive. Yeah. Uh, a jungle and space in the desert. Right, like you can just end up with yeah, the, the, you can end up with two of those is a little bit annoying. Yeah. Um, but I like these cards overall. They're fun. Um, you so you'll always be playing with two of them. And though. the art is great. I feel like I haven't seen some of this art too. Sure. Um, yeah. So you'll always be playing with two of these if you are playing in the uh, in the mode that uses the resilience operations. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they also might be fun to like force people to like, okay, cool. So this round, you know, draw one of these cards. That's what's happening. You know, oh, you, sure. can, you can announce it tournament wide or whatever. Mm-hmm. Right. Like they are kind of interesting ways you could use to spice it up. Yeah. Zero G farm on a hab station. Done. What, sure. John? What do you got? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I, I guess I am not a huge fan of, adding terrain artificially sure. like this. Sure. Right. I'm much, I'm much more happy with a, a table that sort of includes it. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, there's certainly nothing saying that like, you can't just be like, well, I'm just not going to use this card because I don't like it. Yeah. And you don't have, you also don't have to pick it, right? You're drawing two, picking one. True. Um, Unless you draw a desert and space and you're like, well, poo. Damn it. <laughs> so, yeah, that is the that are the cards in a nutshell. I think the, um, I mean the the classified cards are are I feel like they did the safe thing. Yeah, that's not that's not bad. No, because um, they they still went the route of fixing a lot of the issues and modernizing them because they were God how many editions old or how many uh, seasons old, mm-hmm. um, referencing rules that don't exist anymore. Um, and I feel like they did a pretty good job of making them future season tolerant. I don't want to say yeah. proof. Right. Sure. They're yeah, they're they're not gonna break next season. No. Um they're also not going they don't break the meta, right? Like they're the, not, the classifies you mean? Yeah the, cla- yeah, the no, 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 classifies. No, no, no. Right? Like I think they they fit in nicely. The new ones that they added are fine. Mm-hmm. Uh the, the 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 streamlining of them I appreciate. There are more of the symbols, so it makes the symbols more relevant in the missions, which was sure. always so hard because like two cards have the symbols on them, and you're like, who cares? Right. And you forget it 99% of the time. Yeah. Um, so by using the symbols more often, I almost feel like all the cards should have a symbol, um, just to make it absolutely relevant. Um, I mean. Yeah, I guess it just it makes it hard to. I think either force it or like either have it be a thing or. Yeah, I guess like lean in all the way or don't do it at all. Yeah, yeah, I I I agree with that. Uh, Um, I would prefer not at all because it does sort of change the math a little bit. Right. Because like if they get a classified that's worth two points and you're kind of relying on like a five four win, right? You've like you've like mathed out what you can do with your order pool and you're like okay if I do these things and all the die rolls go my way like they're like boom. I have this two point objective. You're like shit. There is yeah, the game. Yeah. So that that I don't like as much, but I like the tactical objectives overall. I would have liked to see some of them 
require specialists require specialists and i don't know if i'd want them to require specific specialists or just like specialists in general mm-hmm. uh, you know like you just, specialists can do x right um i think I, it's a great uh uh transition from like code one into yeah and four totally right? um, um I th- it's also a great uh you know, I, I don't know where it would sit. Like you could do, uh, what, what are the, what are the, um, ITS baby missions called? The official word, like with like battlegrounds and oh, the superiority. And Ireland? No, wait. Uplink center. Like the, the, the stuff that like, oh, oh like what, what is it called again? I forget. The, um, the easy missions or not the easy direct action. Yes. Direct. Thank you. The direct action missions. Right. So, you know, I, I don't know which one comes first in the progression. Um, but like you could do the direct action missions or like maybe this first, the resilience stuff first, right? Just kind of get people like into the, like if you're building a meta, this is a great tool. Mm-hmm. Um, I think mm-hmm. that's fantastic. Um, it's, it's very clear because like one of the things that always happens, right? When you, when you're playing against somebody who like has been, has been away from, um, the game store for a couple of months because of like, family responsibilities or like whatever, right? Travel, et cetera. Yeah. And they're like, what the hell is this mission to do again? And you have to like spend a couple of minutes explaining it to them. But now it's just like, this is the mission. You're done, right? Like you can read the thing and, and it's, it's simple. They feel like there's an affordance to like look at and they, they, they can reference it during the game. And it's never like, cause you, I've, I've had the experiments experience where like you win that game and, and they're like, I wish I had remembered that you know, I had to do X, Y, Z. I just totally forgot because I haven't played this damn mission in like four weeks, right? Yeah. And now, yeah. I, but now, now there's you can always just reference it without without like sort of giving away your game plan to your opponent, sure. right? If you still want to have a um, uh, a tight game, uh, even though you're like a little rusty, right? Yeah, and and I want to play with more more ways to use the cards. Mm-hmm. Um. Then the you know draw four pick three then draw two pick one, right? Like, I like the idea of, of what if there are like two communal cards, one private card, right? Sure. Like that seems solid. Yeah, that um, was a that was a, a yams format as well, I believe. Yeah, like I feel like the, you know they started off with with just resilience operations, and they both they the the way they worded it is actually kind of funny because it makes it sound like. Um, they intended to have more. So like under tactical objectives, it says the players only have one way of choosing the tactical objectives. And then the battlefield conditions, the players only have one way of choosing the battlefield conditions. Right. So it's like, I I feel like there are unique ways to treat that. And I almost feel like that they future or, uh, designed it in a way where they intended to do that. But maybe just for the first season using this deck, they're like, let's all do the same way first. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I think I think we're in a great era of infinity, right? There's so many different ways to play the game now. Um, this is another, just another way to do it. We talked about it a little bit earlier about like if you want to make a custom mission, this would be a great sort of addition. If you if you want to um, have something that's uh, not mutually exclusive, like a lot of missions are now, you have the option to do something that's yeah. has is pretty impactful. Like three points is a big deal, right? It's thirty percent of the the mission. Yeah. Um, but you know, if you if you want to try to do that, I, I I like this a lot. It opens up a lot of design space. Um, 
and and uh, will create some fun experiences. I think. One yeah, of the, I think it'd be yeah. really interesting with um, with uh, reserves. Sure. Right, like yeah, because now you you don't have the you don't know what your opponent is bringing the reserves on to do. Right. That too. That's true. I think. I mean, they could honestly do the the thing. What is it? The secure your objectives. Yeah. Right. Right. You like, why are you deploying your deployments? And oh crap. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like you've moved your full army up. You've abandoned those three objectives, and you're like, okay, I don't need to worry about those. Right. And like you said, like surprise. You know, on the reserves, they're yeah. going to hold the back line while. Yeah. Also the gives the the stupid com com link guy something to do. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, this is this is fantastic. I, I really like it. Is it the way that I'm going to play all the time? No. Uh, does it add some fun spice and flavor and open up new design uh, opportunities? Yes. Um, I think... Play in, the, in a tournament of um, Resilient... Play in a tournament of this? Yeah. Sure. I'd play, I'd play in a tournament of this probably before I play in a reinforcements tournament. Okay. Uh, and like reinforcements is fine. I just uh, maybe it is where I am right now. Like you know, I'll be I'll be honest. Uh, it, I'm I'm kind of burned out in a lot of aspects of my life right now. It has nothing to do with Infinity or Corvus. It's just like I'm I'm busy and tired, right? Um, and so having to break my my normal mental flow to like make a reinforcements sure. list is just like. Uh, I don't want to, right? I'm just, I'm just tired and exhausted. Now you're making, you're putting one more barrier between me and a game, right? I don't want to do this. Um, and and you know, like that's it's it's a thing. I don't, I don't want to. Uh, I've I've been kind of harsh on reinforcements, and I I don't want to 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 be like I I think you know like you were just saying like you you really enjoyed it. It's a, it's a fun format for you. Um, and for for me, it's just not what I'm looking for right now. But there are people who want a different experience. Uh, and I think that's great. Yeah, I think that that's actually a really good way to look at it, right? Mm -hmm. Is that re like reinforcements, I feel like is a, I feel like uh, going back to that game design thing, I think it's a perfectly valid um, way to play, mm -hmm. like competitively. Sure. Um, I do you think that as the, as the TO, you need to put more thought into the missions you pick? Yes. If you are going to use reinforcements? Yes. And it does offer new problems to solve. It right? does. Like I, I had a plan for my reinforcements, right? When I built the list for that mission, mm -hmm. right? And if if you um, if you're in a comfortable place within with Infinity, where you're like, I know how to play the game. The the you know the it is a very known quantity. Um, having to it is mentally taxing to then have to change that whole paradigm based on what's going to happen turn three when you know, 30 or 40% more points show up. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think that's really the, the issue that I have with it is I've built so much um, experience and, and, and learnings from uh, figuring out what the pacing is of like a 300 point game to suddenly have <laughs> that thrown off pretty substantially, substantially um, is a, is a bit jarring for me. Um, and I, I personally think it, it uh, changes the structure of the game pretty significantly because, um, you know, Infinity is a game of resource management and now you are 
Like it's, it's, it's a game of resource management and resource attrition, right? Like I can affect your ability to, to win the game by removing resources. And in this particular case, I can't, right? It's like sure. having a hundred, a hundred points of stuff in hidden deployment or airborne deployment. Like that stuff is invincible unless I get a lucky sensor off or something like that. Yeah. Right. And so that, that changes the way it, you play the game. And in practice, it's fine. Right. Like, yeah, it's, it, it, but you have to plan for new things. You have to plan and for just... new things. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think really my biggest, like, my my biggest uh, frustration with it is how disruptive it has been to my list building. I sure. think I think that's really my primary complaint. Because once I get to the table and the list, and I'm just like move, moving stuff around and measuring and rolling dice, I yeah. it's fine. Um, but the the list building aspect, I think, really uh, has has thrown me for a loop. Because those extra fifty points um, is where I get a lot of my redundancy in the list that I I typically field. Yeah, and that's been very disruptive. And then like having the additional tax of the comlink uh, also really sucks. Because you're like, oh, like like I I think most people building in reinforcement lists at least you know recently have been like, okay, this list is perfect. It's like crap. I don't have the comlink guy. <laughs> I know, right? Let me go dig up twenty points of that guy. Yeah, right. Yeah, it's it is. Uh, like I said, I I have enjoyed it, but it took it took me knowing that I had to plan in advance for it, yeah. and then like really hitting my face against the uh, against the list building. Mm -hmm. It also helps that I've been approaching it with Ariadna first, so it's like it's yeah. easy for me to scrape on points. Mm -hmm. um, like I'll just downgrade this, you know, scout to a fox shot, and it's fine. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, Wes, Wes, I think, says it very well. Most factions feel most balanced at 300 points. Playing 230-ish always me feels like I have to make more compromises than I'm comfortable making. Yeah, that really sure. uh, um, succinctly but, summarizes it for me. But I think like that's where, so again, using the last game as an example, I didn't plan for 230. I planned for 330, right? Sure. I, had a, I had a clear plan where I'm going to have on turn three, five models with six orders to execute a part of my plan. Right. Um, and I just think it, it takes, I think that it takes more planning. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if I necessarily want to do that every time. I am only a couple games in on this too. So it's like, you know, I'm still, still uh, establishing my opinion. Um, but also because, because I know that I've been purposely trying to do it, when I do set up games where I am going to be using it, I try to I do put a lot of thought into what am I trying to get out of my uh, yeah with respect to the mission that I want to play it in. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, one of the things that I want to try though is to see if uh, reinforcements versus a non-reinforcements list game is that sounds fun as hell. Yeah, I would. I, we should do that. That'll be the thing. I I will volunteer to not play the reinforcements. <laughs> I'll volunteer his tribute. Um, yeah, right. There you go. Um, I see, you've been beating my ass the last several times we've played, so like, I'm not sure if it'll be a valid data point. No, on... no, you you won our last game. I we we played. That's right. That's yeah. right. I made a I made a very very silly mistake by not uh, you know you you left the Al, uh, Azrael out, and I yeah. was I was too scared to to engage it. That was the, the continuous issue. damage is spooky. Yeah, continuous damage is spooky. I, I killed a hollow man right off the table with one HMG round. Ridiculous. Um, continuous damage. 
Yeah, God. So brutal. Yeah, I was like, okay, I have good odds. Okay, my guy's just dead. It was like <laughs> a 2% chance. All right, great. Fantastic. It happens sometimes. You got to be prepared for it. Yeah, 2% of the time happens every time. Yeah, I know. My whole strategy involves living in those margins, John. Yeah. Well, okay. So so the new deck is out. Uh, go pick it up. You can get uh, Shift Games will sell it to you, I'm sure. Um, it is a, I think, a welcome addition. Uh, definitely a, I mean, we can we can we can say like, oh, they didn't they took a conservative approach. They didn't make big enough changes, but I mean that's probably fine, right? Slow roll it. Uh, adding adding the um, the tactical objectives and the the battlefield uh, conditions, pretty big change. Right. Yeah. Here, you to 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 summarize that point, I'd rather them polish what we had mm -hmm. instead of taking a big leap. Four more years. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Very. Very fair. Very fair. <laughs> and then and then maybe that's what the other half of this deck is. Right. The other half of this deck is the let's try it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, overall, it's cool. It it's. The I liked it more than I expected I would, um, mm -hmm. for the for the tactical objectives. So, cool, go get it. I mean, you have to get it anyway, Spleen Fittery. So you're gonna have this thing. You're gonna have it. It's you know I, I think that people like it more than the red deck. <laughs> God, yes, I know. <laughs> the the grown-up deck, the uh, sophisticated deck, sophisticated deck, right? The yeah, the discerning, the, the deck. person of culture deck. Yeah, exactly. All right, that's enough. Well, you've wasted another perfectly good evening listening to Late Night War Games. Take it away, John. All right, if you want to get in touch with us, you can do so at mailbag at lightnightwargames.com. You can also hit us up on our Discord, which is available. The invite link is at lightnightwargames.com as well. Um, if you like what we do and you want to support us, you can do so by um, you know subscribing on Twitch um, or, or becoming a Late Night War Gamer on Patreon. Um, just a quick reminder, we're here every first and third Tuesday of the month um, uh, on 8.30 p.m. Pacific. Um, and then we upload everything to your favorite podcast app and the YouTubes the following day. So you can catch up with us if you can't make this time. We, we can barely make this time, so we understand. Um, and then, of course, a big thank you to our sponsors, DreamPod9, Shiv Games, Corvus Play, Board and Brew, and Brutal Cities. Awesome. Uh, be sure to catch us on Facebook, YouTube, and anywhere that you get your podcast. If you enjoy the show, please take a moment to give us a five-star rating on iTunes and follow us on Twitch and YouTube. Uh, all this helps us bring you the best content that we can. All right, guys. Stay safe out there. Take care, and we'll see you next time. Oh, 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 Won't you play games with me? And I like to do everyone. That's what I like to do. That's what I like to do. That's what I really like to do. That's what I really like to do.